PlayStation. Why aren't you talking about the PSP? Actually, these PSP games are the business. And I can't stand hearing these kids talking about some weak app on the phone. Games, phone. They're getting a hustle, KB. Hustle. We need publicity for the PSP. We're going to do something about it. PSP needs a hero. Yeah. A bone. Yeah. A bone. Yes. Someone that ain't wearing a clip-on tie. Huh? We got good kids playing bad games. You know what? You're onto something. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest of your Cane and Rinse format special podcasts. We have come to, for whatever reason, the Sony PlayStation Portable, the PSP, if you will. It's quicker, it's shorter. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this console special are Chris O'Regan. Hello. James Carter. Hello. And Leah Haydu. Hi there. Hi, everybody. So, yeah, uh, the PSP. I guess the first place to start is what our personal histories with the console are and some of our strongest memories without going into the nitty gritty. Obviously, we'll talk about some of the games, not all of them, listener. There are too many later on. Um, But yeah. And can you remember how excited were you about the machine that they and by they, I mean, Sony were calling the Walkman of the 21st century, Chris? I kind of lost my mind a bit. I think um, I was really, really, really very, very excited. The thought of having a portable PS2, which is ultimately what it was. Uh, there's some shortcomings versus a PS2, but ultimately that's what it was. It was uh, quite entrancing to me because while the DS was interesting, it wasn't up there with um, the kind of games they could do, what things they could do with the technology they were using with the PSP. It was somewhat disheartened by the control method, like the one analog stick, uh, which I know they addressed in the follow-up, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, mm. And But I was so excited. that It's the first and only console I've ever imported. All right, okay. Um, um, so I was, in, you know, all excited, and Japan got it first, and okay, fine. Mm. Not a problem with that. And then I assumed that the Western world would get it all at the same time. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, North America got it first in March and uh, of twenty two thousand four, two thousand five, five, yeah, it's it's you know fifteen years. Um, so noting that, I thought, well, I know the the, the games are going to be region free. That was something that pushed me towards that because yeah. the one thing I've, I've, you know, the other other thing I've imported is um Chrono Trigger. And I have that still on my, on my SNES, although I've had to replace the battery since. And um, for me, I just so sort of wrapped up in the idea of the, like I said, the, the, the of the machine and what it could do and its capabilities, that I decided to import the machine at not insignificant expense, mm. um, with a collection of games with it. And there were some, um, you know, means to import it and that kind of thing, and that, you know, it's perfectly fine. And and I was doing it on the strength on the basis that in, in when eventually European games would come, it'd still work on the same machine anyway, because it was region free. So yeah, that, that was me. So I was a early adopter as far as a European is concerned. Mm. Uh, Leah, how about you? Did you get it early and had you been absolutely desperate to get hold of one? So I think it was maybe a year, year and a half after uh, the launch that I actually picked my first PSP up. Uh, I 
think that what it was at the time was not that I wasn't interested in it. It's that I was in grad school at the time, and that's a pretty significant price tag for a handheld for console sure. that I was not going to have time to play. Uh, so I waited a little bit, and I think that what actually spurred me to pick it up, and, and the first one that I picked up was a pre-owned one, um, so it was... A the first model still, but it was um you know it was not a brand new one. Um, I think that what it was, in fact, I know that what it was that actually spurred me to uh to go ahead and pick it up was when they announced uh Final Fantasy Crisis Core, yeah. and um that was something that I really really wanted to uh, to be able to play. So that is uh what actually got me into it, mm. uh, and then. I, I don't know, a couple of years after that, I actually traded my original one in and picked up a uh, one of the uh, 3000s, which was specifically the God of War bundle that they had, um, which was a, a red PSP 3000. I remember. And it was very cool looking. I really liked that, that sort of cherry-ish uh, system. Red. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. and, and of course came with one of the games i don't i don't actually either chains of olympus or the other one yes <laughs> goes to sparta chains of olympus yeah. or the other one yes goes to sparta. um but i one of the things that i i really remember about that is that um after the batteries on the psps were not super reliable um and i had picked up an extension battery at some point um yeah. which was kind of a big just chunk of of battery which was fine yeah. if you had it on a PSP 1000 because it was about the same size the PSP 3000 being much slimmer you mm -hmm. could still use the battery but it was uneven with the rest of the system yeah. so mm -hmm. i had you know my PSP with just you know this nice sleek red model with just this big black chunk hanging off of one bit side frankenstein -y. it got great battery life though after i did yeah. that to it yeah, um but yeah i i so i had two uh, PSPs over the course of uh, of my um, time with it, uh, and we'll talk about some of the individual titles later. But uh, there are a few things that, to this day, you can still only play via a UMD. And I traded I in my slim PSP when mm. I got a Vita, so I, um, after doing prep for this podcast, have um, started looking at PSPs because I think regrets I we have a one. few <laughs> just a couple uh, yeah, we've, got, we've got as many regrets as Chris has PSPs <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, oh, and right. you wait to see that the, how many games I've still got yeah, stacks <laughs> no doubt no doubt it's ridiculous uh, well you know me Leon it's great I we do know each other for all these years but it's in the hundreds but let's go on I'm not kidding I'm not kidding but, yeah, yeah not yeah. not surprised Ooh. at all yeah, yeah. Uh, James, now I know that you've got at least a PSP Go because I've had it for about how many years now? About five years or something insane. <laughs> it's been a uh, few, yeah. You lent it to me when we were covering the Silent Hill series so that I could yep. play Oranges. Origins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I kept hold of it to play the Gradius collection on PSP, yep. but you, yep. you've kindly, you know, just let me have it in my, in yeah, my yeah. gaming room for, for how many years. But was that your first and only PSP? No, ever? no, no, goodness, good, no, good. no. Um, that, that I literally picked up in the run-up to covering uh, Burnout series because I wanted to go back and pay, play Burnout Legends. And it's one of the few games that never got... Digital games that, that can't... Well, not few. There are quite a few. It's Rather one of the many. very few ones that I would want to play that I can't play on Vita. So yeah. I had to go back and get some kind of PSP and looking at all the different models and the different shortcomings in each of them mm. I kind of thought, well, I don't have any UMDs anymore. 
so yeah. I'll probably just go for a PSP Go. I, I don't particularly think it's a great version of the PSP, but... Um, does the job. Does does the job for what yeah. I need, which is just a Burnout Legends machine, and uh, Gradius as well would be another one that at yeah. some point I plan on We're talking on about yeah. that spotty backwards compatibility. Mm. That That is an issue, uh, obviously, yeah, yeah, the lack definitely. of UMD and the fact that not all titles that were released digitally work on the Vita. Yes. Is, and not uh, all titles were released digitally, which and not exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the, the well, vast yeah, majority were. But I, I think there's yeah, licensing issues and stuff with getting sure. Crisis Core. Crisis Core is one of right. those. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I need a PSP. Yeah, I some have of those to would imagine be. Imagine that's a music issue. Probably, system yeah, sellers and, and and for collectors I'm, of this. This sounds very selfish here, but because I still have the PSP. Mm. I never actually considered this as an issue. Well, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, I, mean, that's not, really I wouldn't either if I, no. if I didn't, no. uh, no, if I didn't have those very specific tastes. If, if it wasn't for Chrissy's hoarding, you know, tendency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, no, the first PSP I had was actually before the EU launch. Again, like Chris, this is the one and only oh. console I have ever oh. imported. Wow. Um, it was, even as an import, quite tough to get hold of. I'd ummed and ad a bit about it, but uh, Scan Computers in the UK um, oh, yeah. were importing them. I'd previously got a multi-region DVD player from there. Uh, it was in Bolton when I was at Union Manchester. Well, they are in Bolton, uh, and I yep. was in Union Manchester, so I'd hopped on a train to go and get a region, multi-region DVD player um, in order to start importing DVDs, because that was something else where you didn't necessarily always get a worldwide release or even remotely similar release date for um, for things. Um, and I happened to spot that they had some uh, Japanese PSPs in stock, and on the basis that, yeah, once you changed the, um, the language setting over, the games were region unlocked, it would still play um, UMDs. Um, yeah. so, this was yeah. a real novelty back then, because... Mm. The the vast majority of consoles for, for since forever up to this yep. point had been very much region locked, so, and was still the case with the PS3 yeah. and the 360 mm, yeah, that yeah. were uh, about to be around, if not were around. So yeah. So um so yeah, I got this. I I can't honestly remember exactly when. I know I had it before the EU release, um so that would have been before September. But I also have a vivid memory of playing Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Don't judge Yay. me. Um in in the <laughs> cinema. I thought before watching Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire um, and having people in the row, some kids in the row behind me, very excited to see a PSP in the wild. Uh. But that <laughs> wouldn't have been before the EU release. That would have been November, so that would have been a couple of months after. Mm. Um, so yeah. I, I know I'd had it out and about, uh, and I definitely played Ridge Racer, but looking back at the release dates of some of the other games that I definitely had, um, Burnout Legends, for example, didn't even come out in North America until the EU console would have been released. So I can't for the life of me remember exactly when I got it. It definitely wasn't at the Japanese release, um, but it was sometime before the mm. EU release. I picked up a, a Japanese uh, one. Do you I have any specific... notion of how much you did pay, if you don't mind me asking, for the oh. import? I, I remember thinking it wasn't that much more expensive than they said the price was going to be. I think it was around £200. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't like... Because Scan could import them in bulk, um, I guess, that it wasn't like buying an individual unit and having it shipped over from Japan. No, sure. you, you um, didn't have to pay the duty on it too much. I've seen yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. So, um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was Edge magazine's hype for the machine. I think that mm. really get got me excited. I wasn't expecting to get one at launch, mm. and I don't think I'd fully intended to. Um, I remember seeing uh, I've, I've put the the image up that that I was reminded of yesterday in preparing for this show, which was the the earlier image of the machine yeah. before it was released, which was the super slick flat fronted PSP, which I had Just mixed feelings control. about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was like on one on one level, you're looking at it, going, "Oh my god, that looks so space age and futuristic." Yeah. <laughs> but then on another way, you're thinking, "Is that going to feel like?" Uh, I'm going to drop that to actually play. Yeah, and this was before we were all used to playing like iOS and Android games with with hideous on screen touch controls. Yeah. I'm not um, used to that. Like, uh, well, I yeah, still okay, don't yeah, care right. Yeah. So, yeah. but it. As a as a pre-release kind of proof of concept image, it it really whetted my appetite, and I thought maybe I, I think the speculation was that maybe the buttons and D-pad would pop out, kind of thing, when you were actually in use. So it was it was this glorious smooth flat fronted thing when you were carrying it, but when you were using it, the buttons would give you some kind of physical Cause response. What you really want is a mechanism that can break and stop you being able to use the entirety of the system. <laughs> that, that sounds. I'm horrible. not sure they'd ever. But, I don't know whether it got as far as actually being in planning being stages as being yeah, like this, yeah. but um, no, by the, the render, time, isn't it? It's just a render. I yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah, and by the time we. By the time we knew the model that we were getting, obviously we'd seen it, the physical actual thing held up at shows and, and images of the, the the version we were getting, which had yeah. the the an, a, a more traditional PlayStation type D-pad and an analog nubbin, which was one of those things that you couldn't quite get your head around until you held it. Um, we'll talk about that more. But anyway, <laughs> it was, from my point of view, as Chris said, it was the thought of getting a console in your hand that was as powerful if not more powerful than a ps2 and in some yeah. ways even you know coming sort of somewhere between the ps2 and the ps3 in terms of power depending um, on what it's doing Leon, but yeah you're right you're yeah right. yeah, yeah. in terms of um yeah obviously lower resolution images but for a handheld screen at the time it was it, it just looked like unbelievable compared to what we were used to which was you know the game boy advance at best and uh, I guess we, you know, the DS was was uh, was coming around this time as well, yeah. um, and we'd seen images from that, and we knew that it was, you know, it wasn't going to be able to kick out the same kind of level of resolution and number of polygons that the PSP was. So it, yeah, it was the thought of having uh, a home, almost yeah, home console standard experience on the go that made it exciting. And as it turned out, um, it was actually it was released on the. The day in Europe on September the first, two thousand and five, was the day of my grandfather's funeral, and I went to his funeral in the morning. And I hadn't really had any intention of of um, going and spending loads of money on uh, a, a shiny piece of new hardware. And in yeah. fact, the reports were that it would be sold out everywhere. But I think I was uh, hit by a sort of uh, you know that the combination of that um, want to do something nice and feel happy for a bit, yeah. and also the life's too short you know why save the money kind of thing <laughs> so um so i went and went to toys r us in the afternoon um because they were doing a decent bundle and um and bought one a launch day one with few games i think it was can't remember exactly what but ridge racer was the one that was really exciting me um and as as is my wont i soon yeah started racking up the uh the games and mm -hmm. which we'll talk about later uh but yeah i didn't probably didn't have it for that long overall compared to a lot of systems and ultimately yeah i did sell mine on when the vita was incoming yeah. um but yes that has left me without certain titles short of playing emulation or because uh, even with the ex extended borrow of yours 
you'll go. Um, mm. Which I actually was only reminded of that you can actually use a controller with that via Bluetooth. Um, you don't have to control it using the the weird slidey outy yeah, controls. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are still certain games that only came out on UMD, as we've yeah. said. So I wanted to play Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins again, but I can't. So anyway, there we go. Uh, as we mentioned, so it was December two thousand and four. Then March two in Japan, of course. Then March two thousand and five, and then September in Europe. The prices were it was uh, there was a, a choice of packages in Japan for around twenty thousand or twenty five thousand yen, depending on what model you wanted. Probably, I think it depended on which memory uh, what memory you got with it and stuff like that. Uh, then the US version arrived at two four nine two hundred and fifty dollars which works out today at about $340. So it was quite expensive for a handheld console. Mm. And the UK version was 180 quid without anything, I think. Uh, although I think it did come with a charging plug, unlike so many <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo consoles uh, would, would come further down the line, uh, which translates to £273 in, two, in 2019 money. Yeah. So yeah, not cheap. Um, but it felt like you were getting something pretty high tech for your money as i recall yeah. uh and yeah it was it lasted for 10 years pretty much discontinued in 2014 as an ongoing concern the psp go was actually launched over 10 years ago i think uh which sort of surprised me yeah october um, 2009 then the there we psp go. street came out two right. months before the vita in japan and about it's six months before only. the vita elsewhere just only yeah only, why yeah. Yeah, the street was something that didn't actually come to the U.S. Oh, you're right. Um, it was EU only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Very EU odd. only. I, I'm not mm. even sure that that was a Japan release, was it? No, uh, no I think it, it might have just been yeah. UK. And I do have Very... one, but we'll talk about it later. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. That's why you're here. Yeah, I'm glad uh, one of us does. <laughs> although the machine, I don't think Sony ever. Uh, we'll talk about sort of their relationship with it later. Mm. But um, although perhaps they didn't ever give it. Uh, maybe, maybe, it, maybe at the start they gave it quite a push, but I felt like it, compared to the Vita, they perhaps gave it more of a push. But um, it never felt like they were quite as behind it as with some of their other products, think, their home console. I think it was a bit like the Vita in that they gave it a push to begin with, then kind of left. And actually, you could argue like PlayStation VR as well, where the pushes come in little waves where they feel they have yes. a title they can get behind. So yeah, um, Resistance, when that mm -hmm. had a PSP title they got behind it um leah you were saying you weren't sure which god of war i'm pretty sure it would have been chains of olympus which came out mm. about six months before the psp 3000 did mm -hmm. um again the god of war titles kind of gave it another push um but yeah in between times it was it was tough going for psp fans like it was for yeah. vita fans just kind of yeah. waiting for the one or two mentions a year you would get from sony about what they were doing with it that's true. And what it didn't have, unlike the Vita, which which kept buzzing on among yep. a certain, you know, kind of core of gamers because of its just nonstop independent releases, yep. the likes of Devolver Digital and, and um, sure, yeah. all these other companies just kind of porting stuff over or even focusing on the Vita. PSP didn't really have that in the same way, um, didn't have a didn't have a way of delivering that stuff even so. No. Um, I can't well, its remember digital what... store was there, but it wasn't what yeah. the the PSN yeah. store is today, and they no, certainly sure. didn't have anything like the Vita has with or the Vita had. It's no longer a thing, sadly. But uh, really. with the uh, with the PS Plus uh, mm. releases, either yeah, you sure. know that yeah. that 
and I mean the the PSP we're we're talking about this like it was a complete failure of a system but like oh, no. as you said yeah. it was 10 years so I mean it yep. it didn't do badly but well, I I just yeah. it's it's kind of crazy how much longer it might have stuck around I mean it it mm. could have just completely eclipsed the Vita if it had had all of these things going for it mm. at the time I mean I it, it might have just ended the, up the um broad spectrum of of uh, titles that were released for it either right and that speaks volumes volumes mm. for the system so yeah and of course one of the main reasons it kept on going in japan was monster hunter and mm -hmm. monster hunter freedom which was the start of the that game you know coming across from the ps2 and turning into a legitimate kind of a wave a, a craze a hype wave um and the machine ended up going ended up selling 19 million units in japan 17 million in the usa uh, 15 million across europe and the uk and so ended up with the respectable 76 over 76 million PSP sold. So there are people out there. Interestingly, though, we only got one piece of correspondence about the PSP. Mm. Like, I don't know. I don't, I th I'm pretty sure that uh, we got plenty more for the Dreamcast, and I'm pretty sure that when yeah. we do our Super Nintendo show next time, I think we'll get quite a bit more. But for whatever reason, the PSP doesn't seem to have, you know, resonate, ring in people's hearts in the same way as certain other machines do. Maybe it's partly too recent, but I, I also feel like maybe... As, as impressive as the library was in some ways and, and as broad, perhaps there weren't those, you know, quite so many sort of s titles that people really hold near and dear to their hearts as being special that they couldn't play anywhere else. Like, you know, the kind of games that for a lot of people, you know, that you would hold yeah. on to your PSP for. I don't know. But I, I think that parents, must be the case, mustn't it? Because there's, mm. there's no way 70 million people on, on planet Earth have played a Dreamcast. <laughs> they just haven't. Yeah, they might no, have attachment those. to some of the games because they played them later. They might, but there weren't that many Dreamcasts in the world, and this thing kept on going. Yeah, you know, five times longer than the Dreamcast did, almost. And people are still making games for that one, though, whereas they're not for this. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> Retro Clarence was our one and only forum correspondent, and Retro Clarence loves the PSP. Retro Clarence says, "I love the PSP <laughs> of all the See, consoles." <laughs> And computers I've bought over the past 30 or so years, I have the strongest and fondest memories of picking up the PSP. Retro Clarence is the one. In 2005, I travelled for eight weeks around South America. Being an avid gamer and a bit of a Sony fanboy at the time, I was super excited at the prospect of a portable PlayStation. It was due out in the autumn in Europe, but I knew it had just been released in North America. I wasn't in North America and I was hardly visiting massive commercial centres in South America, so while I dreamed of picking one up, I didn't really expect to. All of that changed when our group got to Asuncion in, is that how you say Asuncion? Asun Asuncion. Yeah, in, yes. in, in Paraguay. Uh, we, are on a, we were on a tour of the city and I was eagerly watching out for anywhere which may sell electronics or video games. I found what appeared to be a camera shop and having gone in on a bit of a chance, there was a PSP. Happy days. I picked it up. I recall thinking it was quite expensive, more expensive than it should have been, uh, with a copy of Lumines, and my group and I spent many hours over the ensuing weeks seeing who could get the furthest. I have such happy memories of whizzing along Brazilian highways with the Lumines soundtrack in my ears. It never gets old. I don't know what happened to that particular machine. I think it disappeared during one of the many moves I made over the next few years, I've since acquired a new PSP and I'm still working my way through the incredible catalogue of games. 
Luminaires is one of my Desert Island games, a game I think I could play forever and still get enjoyment from. I've been wowed by the God of War games and staggered by the GTA games, and I haven't even played Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core or Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker yet. For purely nostalgic reasons, it's one of my favourite consoles of all time. With my nostalgia goggles off, I think it's a very capable machine with tons of great games. If only Sony had really got behind it. Yeah. Luminous obviously was, yeah, kind of a one to one attach kind of deal when with the machine first coming out, got great reviews, people loved it. But I suppose the reason is the reason that it doesn't quite stick is because it's since come out on everything else. Yeah. So it doesn't have that sort of that pure association. Or I think there are one or two levels or tunes on the original that didn't make it across to different various different versions. Although they recently, well, recently, a couple of years ago, released sort of the original in HD, didn't they? Which I think was basically all the same levels and tracks. Mm. I think this is the, the part where this is the part where I confess that I never really got Luminous. It just <laughs> it just never clicked with me. Like no. I I love puzzle games. I love Puzzle Quest. Mm. I love the same, Tetris. I, and it just uh, Elaine, yeah. uh, my friend of the show, my best friend, uh, loves Luminous. It is yeah. one of her favorite games of all time. She mm -hmm. can play it for hours and is very good at it. I just, I don't know. I don't mm. know why I'm broken in that particular I way. I quite but like I it, but, it ne but I also, I have the same thing. that it, it The mechanics didn't my, quite It should click. be completely yeah. my jam, but it's just not. Yeah. And I, I'm sad. I, I would like to join Leia in the indifference to Luminous um, <laughs> um, uh, party or group or whatever you want to call it. It's fine, but when you say that to someone, you go, what? Like, oh, no, it's all right, isn't it? <laughs> wound up about. And it's the worst thing you could say to someone who adores that game. It's like calling Res, yep. you know, on-rail shooter. It's like, oh, well, that's what it is. <laughs> but then, it's, uh, it, you know, it's... Yeah, I know, yeah. I don't agree with that because there's way more to Res than that, but I'm, that's what I'm comparing it to. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, someone who's just sort of speaking about uh, a, a game like that. and uh, But yeah, it's an important title, apparently. But yeah. Well, it, well, it was in, in many other ways as yeah, well. Yeah. But um, yeah, we had, uh, obviously, uh, I know Carl from, from Kane and Rince is a big fan of uh, the sequel as well, which was a launch title naturally for the Vita, Electronic Symphony. Mm -hmm. And yes, as I say, you can play it anywhere now, but... Um, or, or various different no, places. No, I'll, I'll uh, join that group. Electronic Symphony was the one I played a little bit more of okay. and it didn't kind of grab me. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll also admit that uh, for the longest time I thought it was Lumines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people did. That's okay. <laughs> it's one of those things if you don't, if you don't hear it say yeah, don't hear it say Anyway, it, how would you know? More of the games later. Let's talk a little bit about hardware. Mm. I, I'm, I'm no technician or a, a mechanical person, but... The CPU was a MIPS R4000 based, clocked from 1 to 333 megahertz. Now, I do remember, the only thing I remember about this is, we'll talk more about homebrew and hacking later, but I remember you actually had the ability, once you'd hacked your PSP, to actually up the clock speed, uh, overclock it from the back end, as it were, which meant that it would probably drain the battery faster, but mm -hmm. it meant that you could get better frame rates on your emulated games. So... Um, and I think a lot of people even did this to play some of the non-emulated games, so actual PSP games with with faster frame rates by by uh, ramp ramping up the clock speed yeah, yeah. to three 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 from whatever it was locked to by Sony at first, which was like I don't know two fifty or two seventy or something like that. Does that sound right? Or am I going insane? Yeah, yeah, no, I no definitely, yeah, I definitely um, <laughs> okay. remember that being a thing. Memory was uh, a. Oh, memory stick well, pro came, dual was the ori yes. original one yeah mm -hmm. 
the the pro duo don't know why it was called that um but the the, the machine machine had a certain amount of system uh oh, system um ram anyway yeah. didn't yeah, it yeah. 32 32 megs at first and then 64 megs later on which the idea being that it would um help with less of the umd disc grinding because it could sit more it, of the it game would in and, uh, yeah, all the, it, it was loud it was grinding <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. whirring away it was like what the hell is that like yeah yeah moving parts um so it was a a very for a handheld video games console a very high res screen of 480 by 272 what's fun is of course if you play your old psp games on your vita you go oh they weren't quite as high res as i remember them looking (laughs) but actually i still think like for instance ridge racer which is a 2004 game or ridge racers as it was in japan Although you can see some of the, you know, the the, jag- the jaggedy edges and whatever, I still think it's a pretty damn fine looking game mm-hmm. uh, when when played on a small on a handheld screen. Anyway, well, and 16... as, as is always the case with uh, handhelds, you you can design them not just for the system but for the screen as well. So you can make it look really yeah. good on that screen, and it won't necessarily right. translate in any way, shape, or form to any other screen. But on that screen, it looks great. Mm. Uh, 16.8 million colors it was a 16 by 9 ratio widescreen screen which was part of one of the things that i think made the machine look so high tech and futuristic in when we first saw it in 2003 or whenever it was was that it was you know we were some of us were still using you know non-widescreen tvs up to this point so to have a you know a proper widescreen image actually in the palm Mm -hmm. of your hand as well was exciting and it was an lcd a tft lcd 3.8 inch screen um actually it was 4.3 on the 4.3 inches on the regular models and yeah. 3.8 on the PSP go okay mm. uh it had wi-fi uh, this was there was no i'm just i'm thinking i'm getting so the vita had a 3g model right yes did the yeah. was there there's no 3g no. psp was there no. no okay pre phone contracts and all that yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff yeah uh, so yes, you could have Wi-Fi. One of the things I wanted to talk about, I think one of the things which really confused me, even as somebody who was kind of involved in video games and you know seriously in, invested in stuff, the naming of their Wi-Fi modes, oh, ad hoc yeah. and infrastructure mode. Yeah. What were they thinking? Because <laughs> they that doesn't, <laughs> they don't, that doesn't mean anything no. to anyone no. then or now. Sometimes, sometimes, um, the engineers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and speaking speaking as one myself, yes. had a little bit too much influence on what's <laughs> delivered outside the sure. group of engineers. And uh, this had to be approved by somebody. Yeah, something yeah, it happens. Someone thought, know, oh, that sounds fancy. Yeah, and they, they, they basically stopped them. I guess. Yeah, at no point did someone go. Um, are we sure about? <laughs> because yeah, that, that's was, not really, yeah. you know, even. If it's Japanese, I mean, it's probably, it might have been a um, lost in translation thing. It could be that. Possibly. But, sure. if, but in 2004, we were still, we, I mean, we as in human beings who don't work at Sony, were still coming to <laughs> getting to grips with using Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi and at all. Signing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. signing into Wi-Fi and using it as a regular thing. So the last thing we needed was somebody coming along and rename and giving us two different types of I kind mean, of multiplayer. and then local and internet. Exactly, yep. yeah, something like that. It, Super it, simple like it, that. It, it wasn't. They just said they decided to be 
weird, but we all got used to it in the end. But yeah, these words were <laughs> kind of <laughs> were odd. You know, you just you was just like, oh, is that infrastructure? Is it got infrastructure mode? But it, it's no. also it's even yeah. more weird because in both the the home console and PC <laughs> space, the idea of a LAN match entirely well understood. Yeah. So yeah. we already had terminology and things to compare it to. So yes. to come in as Sony with these new terms that you've coined yourself for things that we already understand, but in a way that confuses the situation, is yeah, it's bizarre. They're not um, new terms. I mean, they existed. Like I said, it just yeah, existed sure, yeah, yeah. But in electronic in space. It was regular it, folks. It wasn't it, for a consumer, yeah. No, it, yeah, yeah, it existed within um, electronic engineering or computer science yeah, yeah. engineering. That's where it existed. Yeah. That's it's quite a niche. Sadly, of the it drifted itself. <laughs> the best example I can come up with yeah. is this is really nerdy of me, or even retro, is the Commodore 64. The basic for that mm. was built by engineers for engineers. It's awful. It's awful. Uh, mm. And uh, there's got lots of stuff in it that no one can understand unless you're an engineerist person who, who wrote it. You know. But that was sort yeah, of so. forgivable in 1982 or three. Uh, but in 2005, you know, tech was becoming a main. You know, it was already really become a mainstream thing, and this yeah. felt like kind of taking it back to that that time of you need to be a bit clever to understand this. We we won't just call it the thing that seems obvious. Like at the same time, the DS came out, and I mean, I had endless problems trying to get my DS actually online through Wi-Fi. Oh God, yeah. Uh, but at least we just knew it was Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, a very peculiar. And so we had that little switch on the side of the PSP, mm -hmm. so you could set it to make. It wasn't just like. Wi-Fi was either there or it wasn't. You actually had to make sure that your PSP was in the correct the receiving mode, mode yeah, for either yeah. local or uh, online multiplayer. Um, I don't think I ever t took mine online, in fact. Yeah, it just seems so weird now because yeah. everything we have is online all the time. Mm. And it just it's so odd to think about, you know, it, when this was just becoming the norm to have something that was so complicated to figure out even if if you could get online j let alone you know yeah. how you were getting online is uh yeah and, and to what end why yeah. Well, well yeah exactly you know, that to, you know. to say that sony were pitching this as the walkman of the 21st century which by the way it wasn't um not quite you know you think about ipod at that point to get anything onto an ipod you still had to hook it up to a computer in order to be able to do that there was no getting that thing online in its first iteration. Um, so, so the fact that you had a handheld device that didn't only take physical media or only take transfers, cabled transfers, wired connections, um, yeah. was actually kind of new and exciting. But yeah, it definitely had growing pains in terms of getting... There's no way this terminology would have flown 10 years later by the time the... Um, by the time the PSP was going, it had to be more seamless than that. One of the models didn't even have Wi-Fi. Was it the street? The street or was it the, Wi-Fi? Yeah, yeah. Which, 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 it doesn't. Let me just look. Yeah, it really that one just kind of blows it. my mind because why would you have a console or a, any kind of system mm -hmm. that has no Wi-Fi but mm. also doesn't take discs like that? Mm, yeah, okay. Um, so, so the, the street does have UMD, no, but it does in, have UMD. Oh, it does. Okay. yeah, yeah. In two thousand, okay. it, it was the yeah, opposite was... of the goal. They, they yeah. added ah, the UMD okay. back in. All right, that makes more sense. <laughs> it, even, even it was the, it was the PSP the... stop in many ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. It does feel cheaper as well. At least, but we'll talk about yeah. it later. Well, yeah, well, let's talk about those uh, those different models. 
as is mm. often the way. We started with a particular model, the PSP 1000, which was a little chunkier and heavier, 74 millimeter. Let's not do all the dimensions. <laughs> they started off as slightly, slightly larger, and then the PSP 2000, 3000 were revised to be uh, slim and light yeah. in the, uh, as they were actually known in Europe at least. Um, and then the, the Go was smaller again with its uh, famous sort of flip out at the bottom controller. That's the only one that looks distinctly different. Yes. Uh, they got lighter, especially the difference between the first model and the second was a whopping 90 grams lighter, pretty much, yeah. um, which is significant when you talk about a handhold and the Go again dropped, managed to shed another uh, 30 odd grams from its weight. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the. the all that all that side of it from the, the the look and the feel of it the aesthetic the ergonomics and uh, and everything that goes with it and of course one of the key things about the different models was the quality of screens because there were some yeah. people that swore by the original some people that swore by the second model and then there were actually issues with the final model i believe was it the street that had the artifacting or the, uh, the um, bright actually the, did so the, the, bright, the bright had an yeah. issue where uh, yeah. interlacing they, issue they right. made the lcd much brighter but then yeah. there was an interlacing issue and sony yeah. very quickly came out and kind of said yeah we this is hardware it. we can't do anything about this yeah. so when i was looking to replace my psp that i'd sold quite a while ago um as mentioned for burnout legends i was looking through and it was just like what do i choose here because everyone's saying or enough people are saying the 3000 stay away from them because of interlacing other people are saying go just stick with an original but at that point those were very old not many of them necessarily available or still working um and then psp go allowed me to play the downloaded games but obviously you lose the the UMD, which which just cuts mm. off a certain amount of games, um, and so yeah, you need a go and a street, and you just rubber <laughs> band them fine. together. <laughs> yeah. yes. mm, the so there's something else you're missing that's very mm. unique between the one thousand, two thousand, and the three thousand. Yeah, um, is the fact this actually mentioned as a feature, mm. and it's one thing that um, it's component video out. Yeah, so it has yeah, we've got that here. That's it's, got, uh, it's in two thousand, isn't it? I think, but. 2000 added a comp composite or component, I think. Yeah. yeah video yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I would go for the 3000 wall because I've done that. I've hooked my yeah, yeah, yeah. ESP up to a Switch-esque before the Switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kinda and thing. you can actually put a, hook up a PS3 controller to the PSP via Bluetooth and mm -hmm. voila. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, a little yeah. console. It's yeah. tiny. How, I mean, how does it look spread across a large, large well, screen? Well, it doesn't spread itself. That's the thing. Um, at least on the television I'm using, it kind of condenses it down a bit. I don't know why. Um, but I couldn't actually get it to expand anymore. Well, it's still a, an image that was designed to be displayed at, on four inches on at, at Ultimately, like 50 yes. inches or whatever. So yeah. it's a bit, it's a little bit blurry. Uh, but at least sure. it's. Um, <laughs> It's not terrible. It's not as good yeah. as actually looking on the screen itself. Sure. Um, yeah. Nice but, feature, uh, though. Yeah, it is. I'm I have a um, Vita TV. Yes. Which, uh, while it obviously will not play UMDs, um, it does play downloaded games, sure. uh, downloaded PSP games. Basically, PSP any era. PSP mm -hmm. game digitally that you could have played on the Vita, you are also able to play on the Vita uh -huh. TV. 
Yeah. Um, and that is where I have played since getting rid of my PSP, any PSP games, like when we were doing the Final Fantasies, as we have been doing the Final Fantasy series for Kingdom Rinse, I played many of the um, the older Final Fantasy games were the PSP versions that I had downloaded from mm-hmm. the store and then played on my TV through the, the Vita TV. Uh, and for I, I think it probably depends a lot on what kind of style things are in, because for things like that, where it's you know largely pixel graphics and it's yeah. not mm-hmm. it's not trying to do a whole lot of 3D rendering or anything. It looked pretty good, I thought. Yeah. Um, but then again, it is you know coming off of a four inch screen onto a fifty five inch yeah. TV. I'd be interested so. to sort of have I don't know just like just purely out of interest, and there may be YouTube videos out there, but like have something I'm like sure. the the PS3 downloadable version of Tekken Dark Resurrection up against the PSP version on the on the Vita TV or yeah. something like that, and sort of see see just how uh, how different it looks. I, I mean, it's definitely amount. not it's definitely not the best that you can get, but it's it's Far from it's pretty un- serviceable, I think. Serviceable, good word. Uh, yeah, for sure. Let's rewind a bit, though. I just want to talk about actually the feel of holding mm. i remember quite distinctly the feel of like i've still got my vita and obviously it's slightly different because we were a few this was another 7 years down the line or whatever and it had two analog sticks but i remember the feeling of holding that psp for the first time mm. and the the thing it felt was expensive like yep. it felt to yeah. me it felt really nicely like a nice piece of kit like a, it felt it felt like the future in my hands kind of thing it was quite heavy and it was quite solid but actually that didn't detract you know in a way yeah. that added to the feeling that Definitely. it was a a nicely manufactured piece of kit on the for the most part but there were a couple of reservations i know edge talked a lot about the square buttons housing being in a dubious position that could actually cause electronic issues and stuff like that but but overall i just remember thinking even though it was no longer the the super smooth um prototype version that had been mooted it felt yeah it was like having a console a home console in your hand in the pub which is where i spent most of Mm -hmm. my time playing the psp in the mid 2000s one downside that i will say is that because it had this very nice screen and it had you know that that nice heft to it i was Mm. always afraid i was going to drop it and break it it did not feel very sturdy to me i mean it felt it felt sturdy in the construction but the screen always kind of scared me um, um, yeah, look carrying at mine. expensive tech around is expensive. Is yeah, yeah. So is, is is worrying. I do have a screen protector on my three thousand, which I was not surprised about. I don't remember putting it on there, but like, no. yeah, it's like probably it's very hard move. to put on without bubbles. I find. Yeah, <laughs> I, there aren't any. I don't know how I did that. It must be me. But I do have a wrist strap as well. I do remember using it for that. Actually, yeah, yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a clip point on all. I think yeah. all of the PSPs. So, yes, yeah. exactly. So you do it because for the reason, not because it's like, oh, it's cool. It's like, what if you drop it? Well, yeah. then yeah. the strap will grab it. It'll be all right. Mm. Yeah. So I don't remember it ever happening, but your leader's right to be anxious about it. Yeah, no, I, I never actually <laughs> did drop it uh, that I recall. Um, Fear. I, yeah. I'm sure that would be seared into my brain if I had. But given that it was a pretty expensive piece of, of tech for the time, especially compared to stuff like the DS, which, you know, was a tank pretty much. Yeah, um, especially the first model. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Yeah. And, and and even you know the Wii, which was out around that time, also a tank. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just the the nicer the tech got, it seems like the the more careful you had to be with it. Which yeah. might have been partially what they were aiming for. Like this is a system for people. It, it's not for kids. You know, it's it's a system for oh, yeah. people who yeah. can take care of their things and who can you know I, that I that's I'm sure that's the look that they wanted. Yeah. But it 
it even unnerved me in my, I guess it would have been my 20s at the time. Mm. Yeah, they very yeah. much pitch this as a high-end ent- entertainment device. You can mm-hmm. see from all of the like reveal conferences and stuff like that. And I think the thing I noticed was, so my previous handheld to this um, would have actually been a Game Boy, and that ha- yeah. has obviously a plastic shell, but there's a certain hollowness to it. That's a really mm. weird term, but hopefully it makes sense, where the PSP felt densely packed inside. It wasn't mm. that it was massively heavy, necessarily but it felt dense it felt weighty in that way um mm. that i don't think many nintendo handhelds have necessarily felt that same way i don't know what it is about it maybe it's just me um attributing some kind of like uh, brand aesthetic to the device in in my memory or something but it... well, I, th- I think that's intentional because yeah. a lot of nintendo stuff is stylistically inviting like mm. it's it's colorful it's yeah. bigger if you i mean if you take a game boy apart there's not a whole lot in there that yeah. that necessitates such a big casing yeah. uh you you knock everything down and you have a, a you know a mini gba which you, that's that's really the the size that it only yeah, needs it need to, to be, be yeah, you know yeah. it's Micro. it's bigger mm. so that people can actually use them effectively yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Uh, and and of course we all i say we all uh, semi-euphemistically, but <laughs> a lot of us now carry around this uh, a similarly expensive, if not more so, more, yeah. handheld console with a bigger screen that does feel a bit, you know, like um, like it could crack if you dropped it on a corner. Yeah, uh, and we're all we're all we're all happy enough with that for the so most part. I have Although a very I know... expensive case on my phone. Just yeah, so oh, that, in you, case that, I, do I was talking drop about it. the Switch actually, but oh. but. <laughs> I won't take That's my Switch out because yeah. I'm paranoid about breaking For whatever it. reason, yeah. I'm far less likely to take my Switch out than I am my phone, which obviously mm. goes with me all the time. But yeah. I... It's actually three times as much yeah. Yeah. Uh, price-wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. curious that, isn't mm. it? But obviously, those people who do have a mobile but don't take it out with them, um, they're no I friends of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and of course, also part of the weight in the original one was the battery, yeah. which they did manage to make slightly more. Uh, they made the the system itself slightly more economic, and they they were able yeah. to reduce the actual the consumption uh, the, the, for the, the screen consumption battery, battery yeah. but they reduced the battery itself to make it lighter. Hmm. Generally, um, uh, I guess the the actual mechanics in the moving parts, because this is a console that has moving parts, because it had a, a spinny disc drive, physical disc drive, um, yeah. A physical destroyer. Yeah. Um, I guess they weren't a, a big contributing factor to the weight, but maybe a little bit. Um, what I'm interested in as well, like, is uh, Chris, you said before we started recording that all your PSPs are still fully functional, yes. UMD drives and all, which is which is pretty good because PlayStations from 2000, from, you know, 95 to 2000-ish, uh, they were notorious, you know, their, their drives and lasers were notoriously poor. Mm um my 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 current ps1 is is now pretty much dead um whereas the it seems like the the build quality of the psp overall has been has proven itself as being pretty durable yeah i'm I'm just shocked at how old they are but again time and it's you know 15 years is but the the one you know that my i call it my base psp the the 3000 Mm. it's it doesn't show signs of that kind of wear and tear maybe i looked after it a lot i don't know um, sure you do look after your stuff but even so yeah. just just the age on anything with with a with a, a quick spinning disk drive that's you know and seeking data and you doing it using it on the move as well like famously did you know anyone who had 
a Sony mini discman like I did yeah. and they couldn't actually walk and listen at the same time no, because it just no. jumped, it jumped and skipped around like a, like a mother. Um, I remember mini discs. Yeah. I'm sure did like their weird disc formats. <laughs> I mean, that was totally what this was, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. this, oh, the, yeah. the, oh, sure. the, these UMDs absolutely came out of the, uh, out of the mm-hmm. mini discs. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but for whatever reason, they, yeah, they managed to, they seem to, to, yeah, get the. I I don't know. Maybe I I don't remember big news stories. Obviously, in two thousand and five, we started getting uh, another console came out and did have all kinds of uh, issues technically, yeah. and cost Microsoft an awful lot of money. But I don't remember at the same time people saying, "Ah, oh, it's another batch of PSPs where the UMD drive sticks" or anything no. like that. Like I don't no. remember any of that. I mean, maybe it's an argument for proprietary disk and memory systems, but. Uh, I mean, yeah. by the time we got to the Vita, you saw that it, we'd moved to game cartridges and the amount of backlash that Sony took for proprietary memory on that, which was incredibly expensive, uh, I think even overshadowed the kind of... I guess at the time that the PSP was released, Memory Stick Pro and Duo, etc., were still kind of competing with SD cards and cameras and the like, so it didn't feel necessarily like Sony kind of shoehorned their technology in. But in in terms of the UMD drive, it really did. It was like, what are these? And as it turns out, having a caddy around the disc probably protects the discs pretty well. It probably helps keep the drives a bit cleaner as well, which may help with the longevity of the drive. Um, So there's reasons why you can kind of hypothesize uh, these things keep on going. But yeah, they are Mm. surprisingly durable, it seems. A big stack or tube of UMDs everywhere you go <laughs> if you've got a PSP. Uh, so other differences uh, from the 2000, uh, we've got that, uh, yeah, we've mentioned the smaller and lighter, the video out and the smaller battery. Then the 3S3000, known as the Bright, without a GH but with an E on the end, um, had a microphone. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't what does that do? What, uh, Chris? So, uh, there was Skype, wasn't there? So maybe you could use <laughs> there was, it without... No, okay. There's more, there's more. Oh, God, sorry. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah, no. so there was... We're not recording this show on PSP 3000 <laughs> via Skype. Like no, um, there was uh, SOCOM, um, which is very, very popular. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they had some multiplayer online games. Connectivity so online conversation. Comms. Yeah, sure. And there was also Good a um, language translation software, which you nice. could actually speak into the PSP. You'd hear yeah. it and then regurgitate it out in another language. That's cool, like smartphones do now, but we're only one year into the smartphone when yeah, this came out. Exactly. So that's... that's that's not exactly. Bad. So That's not the, bad. it did have a lot of use actually. The microphone. Fair play. Uh, and then the Go, uh, as we said, has no UMD. Uh, there was that yes, uh, mooted UMD conversion program. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, mooted. Does that mean it didn't? Ever it never happened. Take... Yeah. It, no, it never they, happened. They right. came out before launch and said, "We looked at this, but we can't find a way to do it." Because they were right. talking about like you would take your discs in and like to a shop mm. and pay. Uh, yes. Yeah five yeah. or ten dollars or something and they'd give you it for download or it's just, it doesn't work no one's ever managed to successfully do that in my recollection uh no. it doesn't work it really doesn't hmm. i do yeah. remember watching a very funny satirical video of someone buying a psp go and foolishly thinking they could put a umd yeah. into it and proceeded to break open the umd pull out the little disc and start jamming it into the go trying to <laughs> no. it was quite ludicrous it was mega 64 did it, it was quite funny but mm. um, yeah, it's um, and they're still going. Shocking, but uh, they are. Yeah, they are. And uh, but yeah, they did a rather funny skit about uh, how ludicrous ultimately the go was. Yeah. Um, can I talk about when I first encountered it? 
Sure. Mm. So it was E3, uh, 2009, I guess, probably. It would have so been, it would yeah, have been yeah. It would have been July, or June, yeah, June 2009. Mm. Mm. And I was at the, the um, Sony Europe booth because they had a separate booth to their, back the in the days of, of competing Sony branches. Yeah, indeed. So <laughs> they had their own sort of secluded area and they only let European press in quite or So that was nice. And um, so it was, it was regarded as like an island, like an oasis for the rest of E3 because, you know, I didn't want to get in there. And uh, I was just had this thing thrust into my hand. And I was really quite impressed with it. The screen mm. was very bright, and the form factor was interesting. And I was quite sold on the whole idea you could transfer your digital downloads from your PSP library onto yeah, this yeah. thing. So I thought, oh, okay, there's, there's some merit in that. And foolishly, I did go end up getting one, but uh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. When I had a dock for it, I do have a dock for it that mm. allows me to use it as a console. But um, the lack of you know, media input for me now, which use well, we'll talk about it. What you what you use PSPs for now, yeah, later in the show, I assume. But I just wanted to pitch in there that I experienced it from a consumer advice or sort of press reviewer kind of thing, yeah, yeah. No, it's a very strange choice because obviously it forced Sony to frantically try and get any games that were UMD only available digitally but only under the um, proviso that you rebuy the game, which is just, what mm. are people... Maybe if it's on sale or cheap or whatever sometime in the future, or you know, if it was, if it was a case of buying it as a, a backwards-compatible title on Vita, that makes a lot more sense. But to give this new console to people and say, ah, but if you're upgrading from a previous one, sorry, you're out of luck. Or if you're just looking yeah. for a large back uh, catalogue, of readily available physical media, no, you're not having it at all. Um, and there was also the issue that it was it was becoming more difficult for people who owned a load of UMDs to actually sell them for anything like what you'd paid for them. Games were, you know, commonly between thirty and forty pounds to buy new. And then if you want, so if you wanted to replace them digitally, you were looking at, you know, I don't know, maybe at the time fifteen quid or something. But actually selling your UMDs, you know, I remember just seeing piles and piles yeah. of these in charity shops and stuff like that. Especially because... the films as well, because people just wanted oh, to get rid of them. Yeah. Oh, they're everywhere. Absolutely. Still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah still. Yes, yeah. you still, you just still see them in uh, in charity yeah. shops yeah. for sure. Um, although there there were a fair amount released, um, as well as the uh, oh yeah, just mentioning the the street, a couple of other things about it. Uh, we mentioned no Wi-Fi. This was October two thousand eleven. Yeah, the the um the next generation portable was already a thing by then. The Vita was already yeah, known. It was close to yeah. release in Japan. This was weird. So mm, yeah, the mic came back out, um, as did stereo sound. There's more, there's more to <laughs> it. Can I delve into a little bit because it's yeah, yeah. what the show's about. Because I've got it in my hand now. Yep. There's a couple of things you need to know that's not really mentioned, and it's got a matte finish. So rather than a glossy black, it's yes. a matte finish to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's likely to there. drop it with sweaty hands. Good. It's a mono speaker, as you quite rightly say. The the um, buttons on the bottom are no longer buttons; they're like sort of membrane. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the there is a sort of headset thing on the bottom of it, but um, on the top. On the top is where you put your memory rather than on the side. And what's really interesting, well, not interesting, unique, 
You remember on the back of the PSP, you you did you just basically pull out, and it'd be a little like vert, sort of like square thing that would pull out around the the symbol of PSP, and that's where yeah. you put your UMD in. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case with the street. And when you open the street up to put a UMD in, which you can, there's a little sort of clip, and you pull it open, the whole back hinges out. The whole okay. thing. Ooh. Right. And this exposes not only the UMD, but also mm. the battery. Right, which could which be makes, handy. You know, that makes sense, because you want to replace the battery or something yeah. like that. That's great. But other than that, that's the biggest sort of change I've found. Yeah. Is the, and um, I don't know, the screen's kind of serviceable. I don't think it's as good as the Bright, though. Mm. Um, but, mm. uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, it's, it's chunkier, much chunkier. Um, I'd say it's a good sort of... Comparing the two in regards to thickness, could maybe centimeter thicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's chunky. Very strange. Um, mm. Yeah, it just went. They've definitely went backwards with it, and there is. I mean, interestingly, I didn't somehow. put a little wrist strap on this thing because I'm not sure if I've used it properly in anger. Um, I, the last game I saved on it was uh, Motorstorm Arctic Edge, which is a very <laughs> yeah. very late generation PSP yes. game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it was quite a bit cheaper actually. It launched at ninety nine euros, probably same in pounds. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, it was much cheaper than the launch PSP price. And I don't think, other than second hand, I don't think the PSP was being sold that low up to that point. No. So it was very much. And do you know cheaper. what? I haven't looked at what prices are for buying PSPs now. I assume there's still a demand because of the emulation, homebrew oh, hacking yeah. stuff. But well, Liam, I, I guess she's are... looking for one. <laughs> I, I am I am Good currently point. on eBay uh, because I wanted to see how much the special editions go for, and I could get a Japanese version of the Dissidia bundle. Yeah. Uh, it is pre-owned, um, but uh, it is complete, and it is one hundred and fifty-nine dollars. Okay. So that's still helping. No, I mean, it's not, it's still, it's not, not super cheap, bad, is it? But it's no, not, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's for a limited edition one. I'm sure that for. Um, for an at you know just a, a regular PSP would probably be I, I don't know it's probably in the seventy to eighty dollar range if, yeah for, for looking one that's on Amazon here at a, a street here in UK looking at mm-hmm. eighty quid yeah so yeah not exactly you know like pocket money prices quite, I, I, I think I think affordable. the uh, the deal would be getting one in good condition because I mean if you just want yeah. one to stick in your collection or whatever that's fine but like mm. anything. The, you're going to have to think about whether the battery is in decent condition. You're going to have to think about whether the screen is in decent condition. You know, there's there's a lot that could go wrong with a system True like enough. that. Mm-hmm. And naturally, you've already mentioned a couple of the variations there, but there were colors yeah. and things, at least uh, from the first generation, I think, was was it black and black only, uh, like the Model T Ford? Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, there might have been other colors in Japan for the original release, but I'm not sure about mm. that. The 2000 came in the piano black, but also ceramic white, ice silver, mint green, Felicia blue, whatever that is, lavender purple, deep red, matte bronze, metallic blue, and rose pink as standard colours. Special editions included that uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core ice silver engraved. There was a Star Ocean First Departure, which was a blue engraved one. There was a Gundam, of course, Monster Hunter Freedom, gold silk screened one. Uh, in Japan, that was. Uh, there was a Star Wars, Darth Vader silk screened one, a God of War Chains of Olympus, 
that was the one you've got right leah the kratos silk screened one there was a simpsons one which sounds jolly bright yellow with white buttons analog and disc tray and in australia and new zealand uh, oh no that was in australia and new zealand my mistake and there was a spider-man with uh red gloss and matte black in europe that sounds like something james would have enjoyed The 3000, Piano Black again, Pearl White, Mystic Silver. I do like these colour names. <laughs> Radiant Red, Vibrant Blue, Spirited Green, Blossom Pink, Turquoise Green and Lilac Purple. And of course, uh, the, the Blossom Pink was manufactured, was marketed, sorry, with, with the line, for girls who enjoy gaming, the Sony PSP 3000 Launch Edition Blossom Pink handheld system is a must for portable fun in a pretty design. It's disgusting. They're trying to do that now to, to be... Yeah. There'll be lawsuits. Rightly yeah. so. It, I'm happy to say. But Leah, you're a girl who enjoys gaming. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually like a pink PSP. Yeah, sure. I think that a lot I mean, of these were... Um, I actually quite like the look of it. Yeah, it's I was going to say, nice. yes. It's, it's pretty there bold. There was a... I, the one that I really remember, because uh, it would have been uh, a, a couple of years after the PSP came out. It, it, I, I think that I was working at GameStop around the 2009-2010 era, so it would have been a yeah. little before the Vita, but not quite the end of the PSP. Uh, and I can remember uh, there was... I, I fought m- with myself over this, uh, and I ended up not doing it, and I still kind of regret it a little bit, except that the, the God of War bundle was probably better. It was a better one overall, but oh. um, I, <laughs> I remember there was a Hannah Montana bundle, and <laughs> the um, the the... PSP that was in it was like a, a kind of uh, lilac, like a silvery lilac, and I, I, th- I think today that that was super cool, and I would have just gotten <laughs> it and traded the game in, but I didn't do it, and I'm kind of sad. But yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I like colored consoles, uh, especially for handhelds because yeah. you, know, you don't have to have them sitting in your living room. And you're actually time. looking at them, like when you're playing. Oh, yeah. That's the thing, or at least they're in your peripheral vision. Yeah. It's the same reason I like having bright and colorful controllers, you know, like sure. I have uh, I have a lot of those. It makes more sense to me than the console itself sure. being a designer. Or yeah. color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was about to say that comment about the pink console for girls should go hand mm-hmm. in hand with a tactical camouflage one for boys. I was going to joke yep. about it that. It probably does. But... I didn't look for that. Then... But <laughs> yeah, there is. There definitely is one. <laughs> Big Boss Pack. Metal Gear <laughs> yeah. Solid Did Peace they call Walker. it that? I hope. Oh, God. Hopefully yeah. it wasn't marketed with the same yeah. uh, gender specific tone I, mean, I must tone confess depth. at the time. I wasn't drawn to any of the other colours at all. I actually I, I liked the, the piano black. black. Yeah, yeah, I, I, did, I really yeah. did like that that aesthetic of them. It just felt like yeah. it felt like that's that cool. What they I think no, the it white, wasn't that. It the, was just like the, that's what a PSP was. They're, that's their colour. It's mm, just like they're, yeah. they're, yeah. that's their like, black. You like know, purple no, GameCubes, yeah. even though yeah. they also came in black. Yeah. I think that I th- no, I think a lot of the colours were uh either Japan exclusive or just not available in all territories. No. Uh, yeah, because true. the ones that I remember being available outside of bundles were the black and the silver. Uh, and that was kind of it. I mean, there, there were a number of bundles, but I, I don't know that we had many of the other colors available mm. just by themselves. I, I definitely saw some ceramic whites. Um, I do yeah. remember uh-huh. those. Yeah. But, but yeah, no. I, One I, of those came with a Star Wars bundle, I want to say, but I think that yeah. actually had a graphic on it later Darth maybe. Vader mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no I remember a certain amount of forum clamour for the for the white mm. models when they first appeared but there's yeah. a green one that's very nice uh, that I might gotta, look for gotta catch them all Leah <laughs> yes now, you, now you're in there this <laughs> is the danger I'm, I'm closing eBay right now <laughs> uh, and there was the Dissidia 012 
Uh, duodecim is. Oh, of course, is, I knew you've had. You've told me this before. The Dissidia um, Duodecim Final Fantasy Cosmos and Chaos Edition that uh-huh. was released on March third, twenty eleven, and has an Amano artwork as the PSP faceplate. That it, sounds it, like you need. It wasn't you just need to collect that. It wasn't just Sony doing a weird naming stuff. It was also Square Enix. <laughs> yeah. No, Absolutely. it's it's basically well, always it's Square, always Square yeah, Enix. Yeah, All of those others, Kingdom Hearts yeah. names, that's Square there Enix. There is a Kingdom Hearts game on PSP. Yeah, yes, yeah. there is. And it's good. It's very good. I've got it as part of the uh, the story so far collection. Sure, yeah. Mm. Uh, I've just done a quick anyway. uh, price check. Yes. And in, yeah, the, go, go. in the UK, at least, in CEX, somewhere between 50 and 60 quid will net you a okay. PSP of various types. Obviously, they have loads okay. of different ones in stock. Not necessarily mm. boxed, not necessarily, I mean, all in working order because they test them, but uh, and not necessarily all the colors available, etc. And I'm sure some of the limited edition ones will be more expensive, but 50 to 60 quid's probably, I think, what a lot of consoles kind of end up dropping to. They never really go massively right. below that yeah. in CEX. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it'd be good to get hands on first to actually go into a, into a CEX and look at the screen and hold yeah, it up definitely. to the light. And Do they that. have many um, streets on for sale? I'm just I de- curious. I, I definitely saw a street listed there for sale for that sort of... I wonder of, how many uh, made their way into stores, like how many were shipped of that model. Not many. Not, that's my point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, yeah. It's not the worst would, model, really. No. I would consider getting a street if yeah. they were available readily over here because, like, for me, that kind of makes the most sense after the mm. fact because... Yep. At most of the other things that you would use a PSP for, so like all the digital stuff, you can yeah. do that either on a Vita or on a Vita TV. Precisely. But I can't, yeah. I mean, I need it to play UMDs. Yeah. So yeah, that would actually yeah. be it ideal does have a for USB me if I could find one. connection on the top. Mm. Yeah. The again. So you so, could actually download stuff. So you can it. download some stuff, but it doesn't have yeah. any video out. So. But mm. uh, see, that doesn't yeah. matter that much for me, but like I mm. that UMD though. <laughs> um, yeah. There, there are almost no stores that I can see that have more than one. But even my local CEX, which is a really small one, has a PSP street. So yeah, there's plenty of them. Okay, right. So yeah, not yeah, that rare, but I guess just maybe a lot of them ended up in in a CEX. Yeah, uh, maybe after the fact. Yeah. Later, <laughs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we've mentioned it briefly. Mm. Um, we are very much exclusively a video game show, but as we're covering the console, we will talk about the fact that Sony seem to want to get this in people's hands to watch movies on the train and stuff. And again, <laughs> we we could argue this was two thousand and four, five. This came mm. out, so the the iPhone didn't arrive for another couple of no. years. Uh, now, this is what people do on planes, trains. And hopefully not if they're driving their automobiles. <laughs> uh, people watching TV and movies on little screens is now the thing that people do. Yep. More than newspapers even. Um, if they're not playing, maybe they've got a Switch with them. Switch not but having often... a, having a YouTube app was a big deal. Not having a Netflix app has been mm-hmm. a big deal. That's been something people have asked for. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So the fact that this could is a big deal. And a quite a, I haven't got the number here, but there were quite a lot of films released on UMD. Mm-hmm. Presumably, Sony were kind of yeah. the turn, cranking the wheel behind this because yeah. they've got movie studios. But there were a lot of films coming out. Now, I only ever had one, I think, which was the one, the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Two, that came with came with the the console, and I watched it once, and I thought that's neat, and that was that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I guess some people started collecting UMD movies. I had, uh, I think something might have come with the with the God of War bundle. I don't remember what it was, but I, I know that I had, because I'm a predictable mess, I had obviously Advent Children um, on UMD, 
And I think that I had some kind of like Silent Hill motion comic or something that might have been a Mm pre-order bonus. uh, But I'm pretty sure that's about it. I don't I don't think that I had really any other UMDs to speak of. I do remember that they were a a significant section of the the PSP area when I was working in um, at GameStop. For a couple of years there, yeah, Yeah, at least. And Mm -hmm. and then HMV over here, separate. Because obviously they didn't put it next to the games; they put them in with the films. There was a UMD section. I huh. remember in several HMVs I went into. Yeah, mm. but I never felt like, mm. despite that, seeing that in shops, I never felt like this was much of a thing. But again, that's purely anecdotal. This is pre-social media, so I could have. It could have been that these were doing decent business. But as Chris said earlier, you, you know, you still find piles of these in yeah. charity shops. Yeah. So, But that means that somebody bought them, right? Otherwise, yeah. they're not in charity shops. So, uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you wanted to watch a film on a, a on a flight and as well as potentially playing games and you had a PSP, that would be the way to do it. Although, having said mm. that, obviously, it got to the point where you could play films just straight from the memory stick. Um, but if you wanted something that was legal and um, and and kind of readily available just to put into the console rather than yeah. to fill up a memory stick, UMDs were it. Uh, I certainly had a few. I if you ask me which ones I had, I could not for the life of you uh, life of me tell you. But I certainly you went wouldn't in want and, to reveal in, in uh, sales at Christmas and stuff. There would be like two for fifteen pounds, two for ten pounds deals on them, and I would always find a couple to grab and then inevitably kind of. Um, sold them on or or passed them on when I was uh, kind of done with them, but um, but yeah, I remember several times buying a couple of UMDs uh, movies rather than games. Yeah. Hey, you know how up until the Pornhub era, <laughs> they always used to say that the porn industry would drive the media industry in terms of what formats would become popular, mm. in the sense that it was you know it was always going to be so you know. VHS was was one over v- Betamax, Betamax yeah, because yeah, yeah. because porn because porn went VHS. Is there much UMD porn, James? I, I don't know why I'm coming to you. But... <laughs> it, weirdly, I I tried to have a look back. You know the statistic earlier this year from uh, that very website about the Vita still being incredibly popular. Oh yeah, yeah. I, right, I wondered yeah. if there was something like that because obviously it had a browser. Um, there is and, a practical yes. reason probably why. It- didn't sort of pique oh, okay. the interest of yeah. Well, if you're on the train, you don't want <laughs> yeah, other people yeah. watching and seeing that you're, you know. Listen, just, I work in Philadelphia. I have seen people porn, watching porn on their phones. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> that's just a phone out there. Oh, you're yeah. a very decent. I mean, you're maybe, on a very maybe. decent commuter line, Chris. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, go if you if you go if you take the uh, the London to Brighton uh, late on a Saturday night after a gig. Oh okay. yeah, loads of loads of <laughs> loads of porn. Um, yes, right. I don't know if there. I reckon in. I reckon there was UMD hen, hentai if you went into Akihabara or something like Probably, that. I'm sure. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I but I, I also don't know. Given UMD was very strictly a Sony thing, unlike say Blu-ray, for example. I don't yes, know how yeah. easy it was to get any no. old nonsense put onto a UMD uh, disc. UMD disc. That's no way to talk uh, about the porn yeah. industry. <laughs> probably helps that it was uh, region free, though. So if you wanted that yep. UMD hentai, crack yeah, on. yeah, you get it from yep. anywhere. Yeah, import that straight on, on. and crack off. Um, yeah, but it's one of those things where, as you said, Leon, a bit like Blu-rays with the PS3, you would see bundles that had two or three 
UMD films thrown in with the console. And a yeah, lot of right. those were kind of um, retailer specific. They weren't necessarily Sony mandated, but I remember seeing plenty where it was like, choose a couple of UMDs from our selection uh, to, to go right. with it as well. So, And it was a lot of classic movies as well, as well as some new stuff. Yeah, it, was, it was a yeah. lot of, you know, vintage, you know, ghost, but I think, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is Sony, isn't it? So yeah, Sony yeah, films yeah. were definitely getting out there with you. Yeah, I got that one for free as well, thinking yeah. about it. Anyhow. So yeah. Uh it was it was unusual at the time. A console that also played movies. Mm. Handheld, I mean. Yeah. Otherwise. Um so yeah, memory sticks, memory stick duos and memory stick pro duos came in all different sizes. Mm. Uh, and this, we're going to get onto the sort of overarching strengths and weaknesses. But one of the the key issues with having a PSP was affording to store things on yeah. it because the um, the high end Pro Duos were not cheap. Again, I don't remember. I don't don't have the prices in front of me, but I remember having. I remember getting a very diddy diddy little one, mm. like four gig or something. No. Was it, are these gigs or were these megs? They're gigs. That They're, seems they, high. They, they, they were gigs. No. Okay. Well, okay, we've got one gigabyte. What have you got one in there, Chris? Megs, 128 megs, 256 megs, 512, oh one gig, God. two gig, four gig, eight big, six. So there, there were we below go. this they as were. well yeah. in terms of megabytes. Yeah. They, uh, they were wow. mostly, well, not mostly, but a lot of yeah. them were yeah. below that. Yep. The memory explosion Because I was thinking, yeah, if, if they come years. from cameras at that point, I mean, cameras don't need 128 gigabytes or certainly didn't them. Then, no. so you, Not, no. you would have been able to. Right. I, I want to say that the largest memory stick that I would see at like GameStop or, or anything like that would have been a 64. And I, yep. I don't Sounds think right. that those were especially common. And I know that they were expensive. Yeah, yeah, they sure, were yeah. expensive, yeah. And it's really, it's, in a, you know, obviously we've all got different amounts of disposable income and whatever else. But even unless you're, you know, significantly wealthy, spending. I don't know, 80 quid or 100 quid on just a little flat plastic card that goes in yep. to your console and doesn't actually you Do know, bring anything. you any joy yeah, in yeah, itself yeah. is not is, is, is a difficult purchase, I think. Yeah. Well, that's another yeah. thing Sony has always done is they've always had their Proprietary own memory. proprietary yeah. memory. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that has continued. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> so. you can now get ridiculous. Well, I by <laughs> by old standards, ridiculously large uh, and tiny SD cards for micro SDs for the Switch that aren't insanely yeah, expensive yeah. because that's never a that was never a fun part of of the the new console experience mm -hmm. for me. It's like oh gosh, shell yeah. out this much on a memory card but, of some yeah. variety. It did abandon the memory stick thing for the PS3 and the PS4, though, didn't they? If you think about it, yeah, yeah they had hard drives yeah, for those away from it. That eventually, point, yeah. eventually, then, they realized eventually. this yeah. is a bad idea. But then uh, the Vita awesome. still had proprietary memory, so you it know did. It's, uh, it did. Yeah. I don't ha necessarily mm. have a lot of faith that were Sony to bring out a handheld nowadays, they would just say, you know what, SD cards and micro SD cards are kind of ubiquitous. I Let's think... just do that. I don't necessarily. I, don't, I mean, they've got no plans. They yeah, literally no, sure, said yeah, got absolutely. No plans, but but I think they would go with SD now. But I don't know why I think that because I'm naive yeah. and gullible, possibly. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, looking at the strengths and weaknesses, this is just a, a few ideas I jotted down. These are just things that I think and um, or perceived, and I'm interested in what you guys think. So in the definite positives for the PSP column, and again, lest we forget, it sold uh, almost 80 million units or whatever. Uh, we touched on this straight away. It was the most powerful and capable handheld up to this point in technical terms. Like 
as much as the Game Boy, all the iterations of the Game Boy up to this point had been beautiful, wonderful machines with incredible libraries, the technical side of them was, you know, by and large, although the GBA when it first came out, you know, was very cool to have like a SNES powered yeah. handheld in your hand. There was nothing that rivaled what we were seeing from PS2 onwards, and this offered that. Well, especially as this came out before the PS3 existed. So Indeed. if you think of yeah. this, which uh, I, uh, some ways it's not a PS2 in your hand, it's a bit like saying that um, back when phones were smartphones were starting to get good graphics, oh, it, you know, uh, Infinity Blade, um, for example, it was, oh, this can do current-gen graphics. Well, it, mm, it's high-res graphics. It's not necessarily actually the full bells and whistles. And it was the same here. Sure. It wasn't the full bells and whistles of a of a PS2, but to have what felt like current gen console graphics in your hand was that I don't think that's happened before or arguably since, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, uh, it was a Sony machine, and they had at least well at least two massive brands. Uh, of this sort of in this sort of yeah. area, the PlayStation and the Walkman, I've sort of semi-jokingly put the Discman <laughs> on there because all that you know, the, not just the I'm not just talking about mini disc, I'm talking about the Sony yeah, Discman, the, the CD, yeah. the portable oh, yeah. CD player, which was you know, I mean, it seems ridiculous now. We used to carry one album around with us and <laughs> not don't run too hard, otherwise you, you'll you'll miss yeah. half a song. But again, I had one; it was a I thing did, yeah. at the time. I did yeah. too, and so there was a certain sense of. Um, there was a reassurance that came with the brand yeah. of Sony. Yeah, for, Sony for, for consumer electronics was still, yeah, and still is. Yeah. I think pretty pretty prestigious. And, yeah, this is not a descriptor I like, but I think <laughs> uh, it was used. It looked, quote, sexy. Like, it, 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 had, that, it had that desirable high-tech cachet It was very thing. solid hentai. Yeah, yeah, what a hentai. Sleek's yeah, a really yeah. good, yeah, I think sleek's yeah. a good word for it, yeah. Yeah, it's a very yeah. sleek-looking machine. And modern. It look, And it, what I would say is, even now, obviously, the Vita even is its successor is the best part of a decade yeah. old. I still think, and again, maybe it's just, maybe it's a bit of nostalgia talking, but I still think the PSP looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, I think so. And it, it gets away from that aspect of Nintendo handhelds that I really like, but can lead to people looking at them as toys. If that makes sense, yeah. and and oh, the PSP and the Vita never—they they looked like I'm a grown-up yeah. now. I, no one's going to yeah. look at me like I'm doing something weird. And it looks much more in step with a phone nowadays than, say, mm. a DS or a Game Boy or something like that did. Yeah, I remember getting the DS more soon after mm. my PSP. I got it from the Nintendo shop for reasons I can't remember how I managed to do that, but anyway. <laughs> And um, it arrived. It looked like a prototype. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, the original DS. DS. And clearly yeah, is, a pro- yeah, is a prototype, yeah. yeah. It, um, yeah, the light was, was, was a different kettle of fish altogether yeah, um, yeah. and probably helped smash the PSP. But, yeah, that I, I still, even 15 years on, am completely bemused that they actually released the first DS yeah. in the state that it was. I bought one too, but it, it was clearly the prototype. I mean, I was yeah. drawn by the games, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. for sure, yeah. There's loads phenomenal of reasons games on it, but you just go, what is this thing? Look at it. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a weird one. been quite finished. But yet yeah, you totally were agree. playing it. Just, but anyway. It, it, you, could, you could definitely, you could uh, get burglars out of your flat by throwing yeah, at them. Yeah, it was a brick, it was, wasn't it? You know, it had other yeah. uses. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I mean, that's all I've got in the plus column, which seems really harsh. But those were three pretty major things. Well, there's one thing I think you missed. mm -hmm. And I think it's quite fundamental is that the the strength of software libraries. Well, yes. Yeah, I would agree. You should. Yeah, I would agree. That is a strength. Because if you buy one now, we're going to come to that later. Because I think we're going to as we talk about Mm. what would you use a PSP for now? And there's going to be some things that I'm going to say, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else's mouth. They're going to, huh. This had a good library of games. Yeah, it wasn't just good; yeah. it was excellent. So I, I think the only uh, pushback you would get from that, and I don't think any of us here are going to particularly, but I'll uh, hate myself for playing devil's advocate for a second. Is yeah, next to the DS. The, I mean, the DS for a lot of people is an all timer, like favorite console level for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the PSP struggles in in all honesty, probably just because of this lack of Sony first-party support uh, in mm. that way. And there's not it's not that there's not a, quite a few Sony first-party titles, and it's not that they're not good games or, or, or well-performing or well-liked games. It's just it struggles it next to the DS as its direct competitor. Yeah. But it doesn't need to have DS. Like, I think there were fewer software titles. System-selling exclusive yeah. killer apps for the PSP. Like as as great as the software library mm. is, a lot of the strongest titles that we'll talk about were things that you could play elsewhere or in you know very similar versions of. That was or, that was the thing. So or it was, came later, I guess. Uh, yeah, a lot of them weren't um, because mm. I I what I'm going to talk about when we when we get to specific software um, is the fact that a lot of the titles that. I ended up really remembering the system mm. for and 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 considering getting another console for are ones that are like successors to co- franchises that I already like. It's not yeah. necessarily that it had a sure. ton of new fresh IP. It's that, you know, there's a Silent Hill game on there that yes. you could eventually yeah. play on uh the PS2, I think, but you yeah. know, and there's a Final Fantasy game and a Silent Hill, or I already said Silent Hill, there's a Final Fantasy game and, you know, and God of War games. And there's there's a, a lot of stuff on there that while it might not have at the time been available somewhere else, some of them are uh, now, yeah. but mm. a lot of them were not. So yeah. yeah, that's true. The battery life was, I think, uh, an issue, still is. We still have this with portables yeah. and handhelds and phones and the Switch to this mm-hmm. day. Uh, this, the battery life, I guess we're always up against it technology-wise. Technology Again, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an electronics engineer. I don't fully get it. I know that Chinese smartphones come with massive batteries that last a week, and so it is possible, but I don't know what the impact of that is well, uh, cost-wise yeah, or environmentally. Weight and or size like is, the, is the main impact. And I think sure? because there was, I think it was official, uh, an upgrade battery um, release yeah. that you could Fat put battery. in. So for the original PSP, that went from 1,800 milliamp hours to 2,200. But more importantly, mm-hmm. for the 2,000, 3,000, and I assume the street, you, although Chris might have to verify that you can upgrade that one as well, it goes from mm. 1,200 milliamp hours to 2,200 milliamp hours, which obviously is a near doubling of the battery length. So yeah. on the original PSP, that's, yeah, not, that's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, not mine. as big an issue, but on the on the other mod models, other than the goal, which you can't upgrade the battery on, that's a, a you, mm. unless you want to get in there with a soldering iron and change the battery out. I guess uh, it's not as easy to do. Um, but for those, mm. it's a massive increase in battery. So there are ways to mitigate it, but yeah, it's not. 
And I assume the non-UMD having UMD drive Go just lasts longer because it's never got spinning moving parts, which is apart from the displaying the bright screen and whatever, it's also got a slightly smaller screen. Yeah. So presumably the Go has a much longer battery life for its. Uh, but I don't know what. Si- yeah, I don't know if the battery is equivalent sized. I, I didn't actually look up what the size of the battery in there was. Yeah. I just happened to remember the the ones that you could remove and replace. Uh, what those were, but yeah. Um, but certainly, I do remember taking my PSP to the pub and having a similar experience to that that I have 15 years later with my mm-hmm. Switch, which is I've been playing for 10 minutes and the battery's already down to about 78% and you're thinking, and it just starts to create that little like, <laughs> uh, how long, how long's this session allowed yeah, to be, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of thing, which is, which is a shame. Uh, it was considerably more expensive than the DS, of course. Uh, the, the memory cards were prohibitively expensive and uh, with the, I, uh, the early DS, all, all saving was just done on cartridges, wasn't it? It didn't even have an, yeah, a mic. Yeah. Until the DSi, there wasn't even an external... There was no need for any other memory no, storage. Yeah, no need for it. So, storage, yeah. so your outlay was considerably less, uh, even if you got kind of less high-end graphics and whatever. Uh, with it being a disk-based system outside of the Go, loading times were not insignificant. And it sort of it was a bit of a throwback to the early PS1 days yeah. in a way, that kind of... That sound, the sound of a disc spinning and waiting for for the next Ridge Racer, mm. bit of Ridge Racer to load in or whatever. Actually, Ridge Racer is a bad example for the PS One, but you you take my point. Um, loading times were not something we associated with handheld gaming because of all of yeah. its predecessors, whether it was the Game Boys or the Lynx or the Game Gear. It was all cartridge and everything just was click, boom, away you go. Yeah. Uh, so that was a, a. It felt to me when I was sitting there waiting for. Tekken Dark Resurrection to load in the next arena or whatever. I was thinking, but I'm playing Tekken Dark Resurrection on a handheld in a pub, so okay. But of course, all those little loading weights, they do start to add up. It's a conversation that I think we as a group of enthusiast gamers are having more and more about the last gen of consoles even, like sitting there waiting for games on our Xbox Ones and PS4s to load now is starting to become more and more kind of aggravating as we look forward to ssds and and the next gen and so i think going back to a umd now that would be something that might actually put me off a little bit of the kind of pursuing the psp catalog thing just because of that kind of (laughs) (laughs) sort the sawing noise of the psp Um, and and another uh, argument for upping the amount of ram i mean 64 gigabyte uh, 64 megabytes of ram not necessarily A massive amount, but doubling it from the original PSP obviously halves the amount of you know the amount of occurrences of having to load in from it from the disc. So that can smooth that out a bit, I suppose. But that requires the game uh, developers to take advantage of that. So um, yeah, hmm. the D-pad. So this was always a bit of an issue for certain kinds of game on the PlayStation One and Two themselves. The the the, the directional digital pad on the uh, the early PlayStation controllers and the uh, and and the DualShock successors. Uh, I mean, some people swear by, swear by them. We even know that uh, is it Yuffie, the Street Fighter player, Luffy, actually yeah, uses yeah. still uses even though even mm-hmm. even though that was like considered the you know it was one of the reasons to buy Street Fighter on the Saturn was so you didn't have to use the PlayStation pad. <laughs> um, but I remember, so I, I took my PSP in two thousand and six to Japan. And I went to Akihabara and was buying games for the PSP at that point because they were around. Mm-hmm. And I bought Street Fighter Alpha 3 uh, or Zero mm-hmm. 3 
as it was there, Double Upper, which came out over here as uh, Street Fighter 3 Alpha, Alpha 3 Max. Max. Yeah. Alpha 3 Max. And uh, one of the things, one of the reasons that I wanted to buy this in Japan was because you got a stick-on D-pad with it. So I modded my PSP effectively wow. with this uh, with this very, uh, it was Capcom made, or I don't know who, who actually made the parts, but when you bought your, your Street Fighter Alpha 3, you got a little a little widget that you then adhe- you know, used the b- adhesive backing to stick to the PSP. So is it uh, a, is a permanent thing then? Well, you could, you could crow it, you could, you know, take it off again after, but you wouldn't want to, basically. Mm. Um, it was, it would, yeah, it was, it was possible to remove it, but then you probably wouldn't, you know, you'd have to glue it back on yeah, again yeah. and so on yeah. and so forth. But it, so it was effectively a, a semi-permanent mod. And that it meant seems that excessive. <laughs> well, it was good for me because it meant that because most of the things that I spent my time playing on my PSP were either uh, vintage arcade games, retro compilations, yeah. and stuff like that, or Capcom mm-hmm. fighting games. So it made not, perfect not sense to me all, to have a uh, because you didn't have a second analog stick, so playing like first person. That was the one that got whatnot. me worse. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yes, that was that's on this list yeah, of things. Yeah. Um, is the lack of uh, a second analog? So we were already. So it had been 1998, 97-98 when the PlayStation had gone kind of fully, fully analogue with, uh, with, the, with the dual sticks and other consoles had obviously followed suit. And here we were in 2004 after several yeah. years of the GameCube even having the C-Stick and the, certainly the Xbox and the PS2 very much promoting, supporting and hosting lots of games that really required two analogues. Mm. And then here we were in 2004-05 with a machine that only had the one. Yep. And it was definitely an issue with certain kinds of games and actually controlling them and, um, you know, the cameras and, and, and things like that in first-person shooters and stuff were, were a real issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and that led to, I guess, you feeling like you wanted to stick to, not stick to, but preferentially use it for more traditional games where uh, a four-directional or eight-way input uh, D-pad is is more yeah. suitable um yeah yeah understandably so um i will say that the mm. the one game i i didn't play a whole lot of shooters um at the time and and certainly not on the psp really but um the one game that uh made me that broke my heart that the the psp did not have a second analog stick was mm. uh, the katamari game mm. that came out ah, on the yeah, psp yeah. Uh, me and my Katamari, that was, yes, and right. I just remember not liking that game much at all because the controls were so awkward without that second yeah. analog stick that it just that's right. Yeah, D pads and buttons, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I suppose retrospectively we could add in the plus column no back touch for the PSP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that a plus point? Or yes, <laughs> I don't know if you can say it's a plus point by dint of I the alternative so being much. so much worse. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's a tough call. I think it's fair to say that, in my opinion, Sony never solved the uh, the, the the fully solved the control problems. Yeah. And in fact, that also follows on with um with uh, something you just thought of, mm. James. You're quite right. So you've got shoulder buttons, but you've got no yeah. triggers as such. Uh, yeah, and and that was missing on the Vita. I never thought the the back touch was much yeah. of a um a useful uh solution at all. Um, not if you've got long fingers. It's yeah, really it's, it's really not good at all. Um, and and it's a long and winding path to get towards where the switch is now, which is two analog sticks, 
and triggers and buttons fitted on there. I get why there's no triggers on there. No D-pad, though. But <laughs> it was a big miss for any games that wanted to kind of try and use something approaching standardized controls, which, given it was supposed to be a PS2 in your hand, you can't yeah. do a PS2 game as it was then without triggers yeah. and without a second analog stick in some cases, and there's ways around it. Um, you know, uh, in, in my case, Siphon Filter Dark Mirror is one that I would definitely bring up yes. in respect of Leah, your uh, Katamari uh, comments, mm-hmm. that they found ways around it, but it, it, it wasn't as seamless a transition between a, a home console version of a, a third or first person shooter and then the portable version, which is a, a, a bit of a shame. Yeah. And it was a bit different because obviously we, it, it took us to get with the 3DS, we got through a, a an unsightly add-on before we finally got a kind of uh, a sort of solution to the second yeah, analog yeah. stick with the with the N 3DS with the, the little the nub, yeah. uh, the little rubber yeah, nipple. Yeah. And but what I will say is, although I think Nintendo did improve upon the nub with the disc for the 3DS, mm. the analog nub on the PSP was actually yeah. all right to use. I yeah, actually thought it was quite um, it had quite a nice springy tactile responsive feedback i never had issues playing controlling even though it was quite small it had a nice grippy texture Good range on it. of motion and uh, uh, it kind of yeah. went almost half the full radius of the disc to, you know it moved that sort of distance it felt like and again it was it was durable i don't think yeah, right. that i ever had any i didn't hear of any issues of them you know Springs breaking down after yeah. extensive use unlike say you know joy cons on the switch yeah. which seem to go out of whack with a, a, a very little provocation. Hmm. Bits and bobs came out, of course, so it's not normally when we do these console specials, we end up talking about all kinds of wacky stuff. Uh, there isn't quite as much because it was a handheld by nature. There was no, uh, when we did the Game Boy show, we had a lot of fun talking about the ridiculous things you could buy to surround your Game Boy, those funny arcade things and the screen magnifiers. Yeah. Do you remember some of those things? Yeah, we looked yeah. At? Um, they weren't quite the same for, for PSV because, I mean, mercifully, yeah, you, imagine... You didn't need lights and that kind of thing because it was no. backlit. So, yeah, there's reasons, <laughs> no. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we got a web browser, which we've already mentioned. Uh, remote play, of course. So I, I think most of us associate that more with the Vita uh, and the PS4. But actually, this yeah. on the PS3, you could remote play to PS uh, from PS3, right? Yeah, yes, it was a thing they showed off at E3 once, and then they said, oh, yeah, you can play an F1 game and use the... PSP is a third screen. Your yeah, rear, well remembered. Yes. And uh, never happened, of course. <laughs> That's right, as a rear view yeah, mirror. Rear view that mirror. was the idea. Yeah, it? yeah never yeah. happened. You also no. skipped over, you, do get, you, you could get a headset with a remote control, which I do have. Um, that was, again, for online gaming for the PSP. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, before the, certainly before the microphone was added, it makes sense you'd need a headset. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the full headset with a microphone, you just plug it in and... Away you went. Yeah. Um, and there's also, we got a component video out, cables as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the Digital Comics Reader, mm-hmm. oh. uh, partnered with publishers such as Rebellion, of course, Disney, Insomnia, Marvel. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how, yeah, it's, it's not a scene that I'm a part of. I think most comic fans I know are of my sort of age group and as such still prefer paper comics. But I guess there's, there's still uh, some people are reading comics digitally yeah. and magazines these days, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I think... Uh, the kids. Sorry, go ahead. The kids, yeah, the youngsters. Uh, you. Even on tablets now, there's good readers and bad readers, but that's down to the software mm. and how they move you from panel to panel. 
whether they allow you to easily zoom out to see the overall impact of the page, that kind of thing. Um, I never tried it on this, but it would come down to how it kind of broke the comic up into panels as to how well it would work for that. There's, you know, there's plenty of ways to read comics on phone screens now, so reading it on a 4.3-inch yeah. screen isn't necessarily a, a bad news situation, but it would depend on the software implementation, mm. I guess. One thing I have very little memory of, I've done a little YouTube research, but I don't really remember any of the TV commercials. When we've talked about other PlayStation campaigns in the past, they've become incredibly well-known, iconic even in some cases. For the PSP promotion, do, do any of you guys kind of remember a TV campaign or posters or anything that kind of really stuck with you and resonated as regards to the marketing of this, you know, super cool high-tech future device? Not really. No, no. No. Telling, huh? Tis. Although, although, at the time, television and broadcast television was starting to to fade a little. It has faded almost for for the for the audience that is being targeted at. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's less like they they make less of, imp- of an impression on us than they used to mm. when, say, the PS1 came out. Simply because we consume our media in a different way. Indeed, I think we can't ignore um, that. But it was, yeah. it was, yeah. But it was only we talked about the Xbox, the original Xbox, which was literally two years before this, or three, um, and some of those adverts we had very strong memories of. But um, but yeah, maybe we just started really? going over the edge. But maybe Sony just didn't come up with any campaigns that either they didn't saturate them in the same way or they just didn't come up with anything that you know spoke to us in on in quite in quite the same way was this i think this was around the time they were using the fake executive guy the comedy character that they came up with who yes, was, a, it was like a yeah. pretend pretend dude barry something or something <laughs> barry scott no i'm thinking of Silit bang yeah, yeah um yeah. <laughs> i can't remember his name that possibly telling do you remember the guy james i'm talking about Leah? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Kevin, I... Kevin something? Yes. Ke- <laughs> so, sorry, he was a listener. big deal, wasn't he? I mean, people, were, people were obsessed yeah, but... about him. And it was just like I think this... people liked it because it, was a, it showed a certain amount of um, humility and yeah, sort of knowing this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Butler. Kevin, Kevin Butler. Butler. He wasn't you. real. We got there. Um, no, he wasn't real. But I think some people either thought he was real or that he was a guy sealing himself up. And the, the trouble is when, when you exist in a space where there are also people like Microsoft Steve Barmer, who is a grotesque caricature of a human being, is it was kind of hard to tell. They had Kaz Hirai, like... Yeah, well, sure, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, and similarly, I don't think there were too many, and again, I know it takes a handheld to be massive for this to happen, but there were Game Boy magazines back in the day. I don't remember a PSP dedicated mag. I think obviously PSP got some space in the multi formats and some space in PlayStation magazines. But if there were any dedicated PSP publications like monthly monthly mags, and again, what Chris's point about, you know, TV becoming less important, we're also at the time of magazines becoming less important. But I don't recall at this stage, like popping out to buy PSP monthly or, you know, PSP action. Or no, whatever. I mean, there's also broadband finally arrived yes so, so we were all starting to very, get more online it wasn't very fast but it was there damn sight better yes, than the yeah. internet than the the phone stuff so true, true. that didn't help either a lot of i remember most of my media at the time was being consumed from online outlets and not 
Yeah. And that, that yeah. changed things a lot. It did, yeah. We were starting to probably care more about or as much about peer review on forums as we were professional reviewers and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So probably the biggest, both the biggest thorn in the side of the PSP, but also one of its biggest boons, ironically, was the fact that very early on in its life, it got hacked. June 2005, uh, hackers disassembled the code of the PSP and distributed it online. Initially, you could uh, run custom code and a limited amount of protected software, calculators, file managers, that kind of thing. And Sony basically started a almost 10-year-long battle with responding with tightening up firmware and patching holes, but they never, never, they never got on top of it. Hackers always ultimately won out and you ended up with various options of custom firmware that you could use. And yeah, I remember as far back as probably 2006, seven, uh, I went through a phase of buying copies of UMD copies of Lumines that I found in secondhand stores for six or seven pounds and selling them on eBay for 20 or 30 pounds to people who wanted to hack their um, their PSPs because that's what you needed. You needed a Lumines save file to kind of un open up the world of the PSP. And yeah, I had a little, I probably only did about five or six copies, but for a little while there, I had a, a tiny cottage industry of upselling copies of Lumines. Um, and yeah, I did mine, did mine myself and I had some uh, Super Nintendo games on there. And, uh, and it was, it was a fun novelty apart from, I don't know if anyone else has had this, but the first ever time I hacked my console, I found it terrifying. <laughs> like yeah, seeing I'm a law-abiding citizen who didn't hack their PSP, okay. but I, I do recall. Um, as I say, I was I was uh, working at GameStop. I can remember uh, selling pre-owned consoles, and people would want to know what the firmware version was on them before they purchased them, yes. presumably. So that I, I don't think I knew about the Luminous thing, but I did know about the the fact that only certain. Uh, versions of the firmware mm. would allow you to do That's right. uh, the, the necessary work to actually get those hacks to, to function Yeah, properly. it's the usual thing. I don't remember mm. all the details, but there was the don't update your firmware if you want to stay yeah. hacked, you know, kind of thing. Um, so that kind of stuff went on for a while, for a long while. But as somebody who does like playing, you know, I didn't really have a way of playing a lot of these games on the move and we hadn't quite hit the heights of re-releases that we have now with endless arcade machines being re-released for uh, you know on arcade archives labels and things like that this was a way of having like the entire super nintendo library portable and stuff listen leon you don't have to justify yourself to us you're a criminal it's fine <laughs> yeah i'm gonna chime in and said yeah you're a criminal because i never did this either <laughs> <laughs> um, i owned all the games too yeah i know Some of them. um but uh no, i just i just never had the I do remember being annoyed at how often I had to update the firmware on my PSP. Though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, it was yeah, that was very much. It was just it was every other month. Yeah. It was like, well, another one. Oh, at least, yeah. Mm. You know, it's just like the beginnings of the what we now face of the Christmas morning dread of turning on your Xbox <laughs> or, you know. The, the, just, the Vita still gets fairly regular yeah. uh, yes. uh, firmware. Well, it update. needs to be more stable. Yeah. I mean, but actually, that's I exactly guess. when they when they euphemistically say this is a patch for stability. It's yeah. nearly always a <laughs> yeah. plug in the holes, uh, yeah, yeah. the leaking, yeah, yeah. the leaking dam. I isn't guess it? it's not technically incorrect. So, yeah. but I've but been I've... tempted to do it since. But again, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Well, you've got at least you've got spare PSPs mm, to uh, yeah, yeah. to do it with. 
I mean, I, you know, I, uh, my friend uh, has a uh, homebrew Wii, which is apparently a very, very easy thing to do and set up now. Um, and in the same way as back in the mid 2000s, the OG Xbox was the machine to have if you wanted yeah. a, a kind of a, 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 an everything retro box. Uh, you can do that very much with a Wii now as well. And personally, I'm, you know, regardless of talking about the legality of it, I'm, I am not heavily against doing this. I think people should buy games where they can. And if things are legitimately available, they should support the publishers and the developers. However, there's a lot of stuff, legacy stuff, which is, has been left to rot. And in terms of keeping this stuff alive and, um, you know, important kind of uh, keeping the, keeping all that legacy stuff available i think is uh, you know it if it comes out of piracy then i've got no issue with that whatsoever um and yeah the psp is seems to be i i don't think it would have been around for as long as it was without this but equally i think sony probably got fed up with having to deal with it as well um i think maybe they thought they locked it down when the vita came out but i don't think they did but i haven't looked into the <laughs> the emulation um situation anything that's connected to the internet like that you're you're not going to be able to stop it completely i think that's that's generally proven to be the case yeah yes okay so that brings us to the legitimate games the ones that were mostly released on (laughs) umd there were a whopping 1370 games released for the psp during its 10-year lifespan it's a lot in it sorry to interrupt you there leon and you're in the flow but 10-year lifespan Mm. One thousand three hundred. I had no idea. I was I was edging on the kind of NES levels of eight hundred. Yeah. Um. But that's right. I mean, that's what I've read. That's the figure that's out there. Yeah. I assume that includes a lot of uh, a lot of Japanese only stuff, more obscure stuff. There were also a lot of uh, PSP minis released on the digital store, so that probably includes that as well. But even so, it's a lot. It's a lot of titles. As such, this is the point where I always like to say on these console specials, and as we haven't had a huge amount of feedback from the community for this show, I don't suppose we're going to upset anyone. But if we don't mention your particular favourite PSP game or the one you think we should, that's because we can't possibly mention all 1,370 games. (laughs) Just saying. Uh, We're going to have a whistle-stop tour of some of the ones that we want. Yeah, we're not just going to read a list because that would be absolute bobbins. Uh, but we are going to talk about some of the ones that are either important to us or we think are relevant to the machine and so on and so forth. In traditional fashion, the game released in Japan with a relatively modest launch lineup of just uh, six titles, some of which would come uh, west in uh, in the form of Luminaires and Ridge Racers, as it was known in Japan, and Vampire Chronicle, which is uh, the Chaos Tower, which is the uh, effectively the Dark Stalkers game for PSP. Uh, very good at those it was um, Minona Golf which becomes everybody's golf or Hotshots Golf depending on where you live but there was also naturally a Mahjong game for the Japanese launch it's uh, it's traditional and an Armoured Core game as well presumably that's uh, Formula Front is a, uh, a, for, a FromSoft joint being an Armoured Core game but I know nothing about it I don't really Armoured Core ain't my thing uh, the North American launch lineup was swollen considerably compared to the original, we got Metal Gear Acid, which was a uh, quite well-received sort of card battling game. Chris, this sounds like something you, or maybe the sequel. 
Metal Gear Acid 2 was something you might have got involved with, or are you just not a Metal Gear person enough? No, I have both. Um, the cool. sequel had a 3D uh, mode, so you could put 3D glasses on, and that was a oh, thing. Oh, okay. I um, don't re- God, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, Mercury had this as well, didn't it, I think? Yeah. Archer McLean's Mercury? Yes. Totally forgotten yeah. that. So that's a peripheral we didn't talk about. <laughs> so um, Metal Gear Acid is um, it's a card game, full-on. Yes deck building card game yes which you know if you know about anything about me and my tastes well up my street sadly well that's what i thought i'm really bad at it i just can't oh. there's there's a disconnect between the actual on screen action and what you're trying to program with the cards it doesn't yeah. quite work um i've streamed it many many moons ago um oh nice i might do that again actually because uh, it, it was fun um but uh that's an aside time to get is, good yeah to get good um, but I actually do like it. I'm not a massive Metal Gear fan. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I love Metal Gear and Solid 1, but let's not talk about that. It's a separate issue. These two games are quite good. Very well thought out, very well designed and developed. So, yes, do check those out. Nice. Uh, there was the Ape Escape, which was we talked about on our relatively recent Ape Escape podcast, which was uh, an incarnation of the PS1 original. Naturally, for the US launch lineup, we had a load of uh, US sports games, NBA and NFL, uh, things like that. We had a Need for Speed game. We had the Spider-Man 2 game. Now, I remember the Spider-Man 2 on the PS2 being incredibly popular. Um, and I get muddled up. There was a Neversoft one. Was that the Neversoft one? Or was it the... Mm. Um, I assume it was a conversion of that. We also had some Tiger Woods and some Tony Hawks and some Twisted Metal, lots of the kind of big American franchises. They were obviously coming out swinging with this machine. Um, Rockstar's Midnight Club 3, some more NBA and a FIFA soccer game. And yeah, the one I remember was Archer McLean's Mercury, yeah, which was yeah. so Archer McLean, a uh, vintage veteran Games designer, things like Drop Zone and International Karate uh, and the snooker and pool games from the Amiga era onwards. But this was a puzzle game involving, I think, I have a feeling, although it had his name on it, he was more of a, a creative lead and a producer rather than the coder of the game. Yes, could be, I think you're uh, could, right about uh, that. Yeah. yeah. But this was actually quite a neat concept. And again, this did end up coming over to other formats. But this was about actually manipulating liquid mercury around a maze pretty cool it was yeah yeah you did very miss out difficult that wipeout appeared yes wipeout as well oh, pure it uh it was a yeah a, a psp exclusive wipeout and there was another one to come later on uh pulse uh yeah and again that I, I think those were the sort of games that were um just that the idea of having something that was that fancy on a handheld and looked like you know looked pretty much to the to the untrained eye at least like it would have looked on a on a ps2 or even a ps3 was was pretty exciting stuff and you didn't need a twin analog for a wipeout game just the one was fine or even the d-pad medieval resurrection so i've never been a medieval fan we've recently had a ps4 remake or reboot remake reboot bit of both um, was this also that for the but for the PSP? I don't really remember. It's a very good looking yeah. PlayStation One game. You know where I'm going with this, Leon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So visually, it's really one of the most beautiful PS One games that's ever been made. Mm. If only the game itself 
followed through on that promise. Um, sure. It's just not very good um, for a whole host of reasons. It's just bad, bad design. I'm speaking, you know, for the you know my other show. Um, I really leaned into that when I see bad design. I just really bounce off of it very quickly and very hard. Like I don't have to put up with this. There's whole sorts of issues with it. I don't think this game did anything to correct that uh, because there were still fans of of the original going, oh, we like all this terrible design stuff. Let's just carry on with it. So that's what they did. It's more of the same, just on a smaller compact screen. And I'm happy to say that that generally didn't happen with the PSP. That was quite an anomaly. Most of the time mm. when the a um a console port, if you will, arrived on the machine. It was definitely made for it. Um, I think I'm just looking at Toka Racer Driver 2 is a good example of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. They were really, good really good mm. racing games on the PSP. Rally mm. games as well. Really, really good ones. And for me, that was my sort of... Uh, I'm not a big beat-em-up fan. Um, sorry, but I just, I'm more of a drivey and arcadey, lefty-righty shooty game thing. And RPGs. And... Um, Sort of a turn-based RPGs. Big, big fan, big fan of those. So that's why you know I was playing on the PSP so much because I was being offered up all this stuff. But yeah, yeah. Medieval Resurrection. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I know Medieval always had its fans, and uh, people were excited for the recent version on PS4. But I don't remember how much excitement there was for for the Resurrection on the PSP. But anyway, there it is. It exists. Uh, we also, for the European launch, we had some more Eurocentric sports, World Snooker and Soccer and uh, and World Rally Championship. One that I did buy very early on in my PSP owning life was Virtua Tennis World Tour, which was uh, Sumo's sort of incarnation of the uh, the Sega arcade games, which we'd previously seen on Dreamcast. Uh, this was an absolute delight for me to have, again, like a what had been not in the not very distant past at this point, a high-end expensive arcade machine a really playable version including lots of nice home modes you know rpg star modes and stuff uh, as a as a handheld game was uh, remarkable and um yeah visually very impressive and highly playable in that nice tennis game way <laughs> the best-selling game on the psp according to numbers is the grand theft auto liberty city stories and again, so we are only, what, uh, I think it was 2001 was GTA 3. Mm -hmm. So we were, I think this came out four years later. And again, the thought of having a game that was that level of sort of technological advancement and flash and size and depth on a handheld was, yeah, it was, it was exciting. I can't say that I actually played very far into it, but I do remember thinking, it's like GTA 3, but in my hand. Anyway, it sold over 7.5 million copies, and they followed it up with Vice City Stories. I expect that sold quite well as uh, also. Did uh, did any of you guys play some GTA on PSP? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this came about a year after San Andreas. And so yeah, right. for me, Grand Theft Auto, I played the original of and had loads of fun with that. And then Grand Theft Auto 3 was more about for me and my friends, just having fun in the sandbox, not necessarily about there being a story, interesting story to follow. Whereas by the time this came out, it was kind of, yeah. for me, a chance to go around Liberty City and take in some of the stuff that I'd seen in Vice City and seen in San Andreas 
that was more mm. of the kind of the the wit and the irony and the humor and all that side of the games that goes with the story and the kind of ambience of the city um so yeah i i lapped this up it came out a couple of months after the european launch so fairly close around the kind of peak of excitement in the uk certainly about the psp um and i bought this and played it uh a lot all the way through of the story mode certainly oh, nice. and played quite a bit of it it was certainly one of my most played games on the on the system yeah it was it was remarkable at the time because it really felt like this is i'd have assumed up to this point a handheld if you got a version of grand theft auto it would be the top down grand theft auto of the original yeah and this wasn't mm. this felt like in many many ways a fully realized 3d version yeah. of grand theft auto and it was a marvel to behold um even, sure. Was the size yeah. of the city comparable? Sorry, um, I'll cut you off there, but it's got to be smaller, hasn't it? It's got to be. It's got to be, but it felt like it was. It felt like the map was the same, and it felt like everything was there. Obviously, they would yeah. they would have the ability to dial down traffic density and pedestrian density, etc., to to kind of help with the system. Yeah. But um, it it never felt like a compromised version in that way to me when I was playing it. Mm. Um, obviously it was a number of years removed from GTA 3 and as I say I, I didn't spend the time with that in a kind of learn the city play the story missions type way to kind of get a good feel for the city beyond just can I pile up cars with a rocket launcher here um, but it felt full it, it, there must have been so many shortcuts made to to get this working on a PSP but they weren't very they apparent didn't feel like, it, yeah. I agree like yeah for sure. Talking about the mm. top-down, so the DS got a GTA game called Chinatown Wars, which was uh, incredibly well-received yeah. and I think sold a, a stupid amount of copies. It actually got ported back over yeah. to PSP, so it was a sort of slightly higher-res version mm. of the PS, uh, the DS game. But I think, I'm pretty sure it did well, even though it came kind of after the the full-blown ones of Liberty and Vice City stories, yeah. actually. Um partly on the name and partly because the reviews of the DS version have been so strong. Yeah, I guess this would have kind of split the difference on uh, Chinatown Wars also came to iOS and Android smartphones eventually, didn't it? So it would have kind of split the oh, difference yeah, on that of course, and been a kind yeah. of higher res, mm. but not all the way to smartphone level. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the two PSP exclusive at the time, God of War games, Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta, not necessarily made by the 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 A team of the God of War games at that point, but they were I think they were afforded a lot of uh, care and attention and uh, a certain you in know fact, decent big budget games. Who's the studio that did the Order? Ready at, Ready Dawn. at Dawn. So before that, they, this is what they were known for was kind of like the PSP versions yeah. of, and that the Order was kind of mooted a little bit as this is their chance to do their own thing. Um, so yeah, they I'm sure did. One of, if not both mm. of these. Yeah. Right. But this is the area where I, again, I think that although the PSP had this very cool, fantastic library, these games are both available as digital downloads for no money on PS3 as well. So there's, you know, it's not quite the same level of... They are to have now, a PSP. but they were not No, then. right. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. So, I mean, but I'm talking is... about as a legacy system. Sure. There become fewer reasons to, if you see what I mean. But I'll come mm -hmm. back to that. And similarly with Peace Walker... This was a massive, massive deal for the PSP. Yeah. But of course, later it came out on other formats the, the as HD part of the, yeah, the yeah, HD yeah. collection. Yeah. Uh, but 
as a portable game. Um, I mean, this was when, when we covered the Metal Gear Solid series some year, or the Metal Gear series, mm-hmm. actually, some years ago. Uh, Peace Walker, me and Tony played almost the whole thing in co-op, albeit yeah. on uh, PS3. And we had a great time with it. Uh, very much a, a precursor to um, Phantom Pain, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yes. it's a cracking game. This was the direction in which Metal yeah. Gear was going. And Portable Ops, although it has that fairly unassuming title, is absolutely part of the Metal Gear Solid story. It's got enough single-player content in there and Metal Gear canon that it kind of is an essential for any Metal Gear fan. So that one didn't come out on the HD collection and as such is still, as far as I can think, off the top of my head, a PSP exclusive. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. James, I had one of these, and you mentioned them earlier. I was never a big fan mm. of the series, often talked about in conjunction with Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> of course, and we had some fun correspondence back uh, back in the day saying, I was convinced Siphon Filter was the Metal Gear Solid beta <laughs> at the time. Um, I'm not sure how many people would argue for that now, but Siphon Filter was a thing. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was huge, long... wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was pretty big, yeah. 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 Uh, Dark Mirror and Logan's Shadow both made specifically for yeah. PSP, yeah. but possibly came to did either of them get ported uh dark mirror got a ps2 port i think oh i'm gonna say that and probably find not i think that's the case i think dark mirror maybe we're proving that we don't we don't always there are now people yelling yeah absolutely absolutely. come on the the siphon filter hardcore fans are after my blood now but um so this dark (laughs) mirror was the only siphon filter game i ever played um i heard some good things in the run-up to it that it did some clever stuff to kind of get around the lack of a second analog Mm. um stick uh and and it was being spoken of very much as though oh well siphon filter for anyone who likes metal gear or splinter cell this is a series to have a look at. And I'd argue it's more Splinter Cell than the Metal Gear because it doesn't have that kind of supernatural, wacky yes, uh, sort of pseudoscience side to it at all. It tends to stick in the kind of military aesthetic and, uh, and kind of real-world sort of setting ripped from the headlines type stuff. Uh, at least my memory of Dark Mirror is that. Apologies if the, the series does that. No, that sounds otherwise. feasible. And my, my assumption is just mm. based on what we know Kojima does, that it probably didn't have quite as, mo- as much kind of philosophizing but going on not, in it no. either. But maybe that's terribly prejudiced on my part. Yeah, and so... Um, siphon field. So you moved with the, the analog stick and the D-pad was used for selecting equipment, so it wasn't a case of choose one or the yeah. other. And then the face buttons mm. were used to aim and look. And that sounds untenable, but I guess if you imagine it... The way I kind of think of it is similar to going back to GoldenEye. Actually, even further to like Doom, (laughs) where, yeah, you need to be able to look, but there's ways to make that more suitable to the controls you have available, where obviously it didn't pull out vertical look or anything like that. You still could do, but with the face buttons, it never required you to very quickly sort of pan and, and, and aim in that fashion. Um, and obviously you had to do a lot of switching around equipment because you only had the two shoulder buttons and not triggers as well. So it made a pretty mm. good stab at developing the game knowing that this was the control scheme and that's how players are going to have to play it. Honestly, without those very shiny, transparent shoulder buttons, <laughs> um, the PSP was would have been 
you know, dead on on arrival. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, definitely needed. It, definitely des- needed at least a couple of shoulders. And yeah. those the, the innovations that developers used to exploit their presence was was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, they were, they, and and Southern Fields is an excellent example of it, yeah. as, as James so eloquently placed and described. Is that you know, yes, the button matting when you describe it sounds a bit chaotic, but what you didn't mention is oh well, you're actually using this all in combination with the shoulder buttons. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. it all becomes starts to fall into place. Yeah, 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 but everything's anchored around the shoulder buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very definitely. for these games. Yeah, for these games. There were a couple of SOCOM games, and this is an area again that I know nothing about. Okay. But they were they were both reviewed quite well. U.S. Navy SEALs Fireteam Bravo and its sequel. These are phenomenally popular, mm-hmm. certainly yeah. in North America. These are system sellers in North America. Mm. Um, they actually had mm. bundles. I, I was going to say, might be wrong. But. This also came bundled yeah. with. Was it a headset add-on? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned Chris. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, third-person um, squad-based um, mm. shooter mm-hmm. um, on a PSP. Mind-blowing. It's, Pretty cool. It's up there with Ghost Recon of, of that era. Of that era. Right. Not a current mm-hmm. era. Of that and era. again, this is probably asking for too much detail, but how did this game kind of deal with the, 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 the actual handheld and control limitations, do you know? Similar to Siphon Filter, this is what led me to... It was, there's a like, commonality between the two titles mm. and the, the, they use the, 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 com, the interaction with the weapons and loadouts and that sort of thing was anchored around the fact that you are constantly gripping those, those shoulder buttons and mm. knowing that your mm-hmm. main interaction button isn't cross, as we know. No, we need to call it. It's cross, everyone. Um, it's not that button. It's actually the shoulder button. That's, the, that's where they built those games around. And most FPSs on the PSPs, of which there wasn't many, or shooter games, I should say, there wasn't that many. Yeah. Um, no. They generally focused on the fact that, well, you've got to trigger. I mean, it made sense. It made sense. Uh, you know, you've, got a, you've got your index finger hovering over that uh, shoulder button. May as well use it. So. Too right. Now, I guess uh, this, well, I know this one got talked about uh, when we covered the, the full game, Persona 3, but uh, it was still Shin Megami Tensei at this point, Persona 3, and this is the portable incarnation, uh, and it's one of the highest rated games on the system. And All right, if y'all are done, let me tell you something about Persona 3 Portable. Okay. Josh would disagree with me on <laughs> yes. this, but he's not here, so oh. don't tell him. <laughs> I think that this is the best version of Persona 3. Okay. And so, I say that because... Yeah. Uh, you do admittedly lose a lot of the um, the animated cutscenes. You, mm-hmm. you lose a lot of the um, the visuals. Free exploration is is done in a different way, right? It is done in a different way. So where you have the uh, the ability to walk around, I don't actually think you lose a whole lot uh, in in the exploration wise. Basically, what it is is when you're in uh, areas like the school or like your dorm, uh, you have to select different things to go. Instead of walking to things, you kind of pick them off a map. Yeah. Which I mean, effectively, that's what you're doing anyway. So yes, yeah. you do. I sure I enough. can understand uh, preferring the other way, but I personally I didn't think you you lose uh, a whole lot that way. What I think makes this the better version of Persona 3 Portable, and this is probably a niche thing that um, is not important to many people, but uh, mm. in the original version of Persona 3, 
you do not have direct control of your party members. You can tell them to be defensive or be aggressive or to focus on buffs and debuffs or whatever, but they will ultimately do whatever they want to do, and that leads to a very different style of gameplay than Persona 3 Portable, where you can set it to actually command your party members individually, and that takes a lot of the uh, unknowable stress out of it for me, so I much prefer playing Watching Persona 3, uh, the the original Persona 3, uh, is a much more enjoyable experience. Playing Persona 3 Portable, I think, is preferable. Mm, cool. Well, so, listen, to, listen to our Persona 3 podcast. Yes. I, I think I probably say pretty much the same thing about Persona 3 Portable uh, in the Persona 3 podcast. And anyway, you can play that on Vita, so it's not, yes, you're, not, you can. you're not locked to the PSP if you don't have one. Whereas I think, I'm not sure, are Wipeouts Pure and Pulse? Available as I I, I, mean, no I feel like they ought to be, they ought to be available Probably, as downloads but, for the Vita. You know, again, I'm one of these. But that's like, I still I own them. I haven't bothered looking. So, yes, yeah. we're we're providing service here for listeners. Though, indeed, so. indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm all right. Jack doesn't really cut. No, it, it doesn't. No. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbish, um, in fact. Go on. But Pure Impulse are in the sense that they are they um the the other games in the series are. Uh, we've had Wipeout HD and Fury, which came to uh, came on PS3 and then came forward to PS4. And Wipeout 2048 is included on in the PS4 version, which was the Vita game. But Pure and Pulse still exist as kind of separate entities. Um, it's a shame they didn't come to PS4 as DLC or something in, in super high-res form. But they didn't anyway. Uh, some Sony Japan stuff, uh, some games I associate with one another. This is the, the quirky, acutesier side of PSP. Uh, and again, these games have become available in other forms elsewhere. They've come to PS4, but the Loco Roco, certainly the, uh, the first so one has. Cute. Loco Roco. Uh, I, I think by, they both have. Uh, yeah, okay. In, in, and I, I think believe. I think they're actually PSP emulations on PS4 as well, because mm. I know Parappa the Rapper is. Um, Tsutomu Kuono, who I once saw do a developer talk about Lokoroko, he used to work for Team Eco, and then he went over and got this gig for Sony Japan. The whole thing, yeah. they, it's, it's got singing, choral, well, it feels... just. It feels very uh, Katamari to me. Uh, mm. It has a lot of that DNA kind yeah, of yeah, mushed yeah. up in it. yeah. Yes, it's it's very cute. I yeah. it it is one. There there are not that many games. Um, there's like Kirby's Epic Yarn and Katamari and this yeah. that like I will honestly play all the way through with just the biggest smile because it's just, it is it is pure it joy. It is pure I agree. joy. And when you when you have to wake up the monsters and they actually start singing, you start singing with them. And I think they're singing <laughs> joy, join. Oh no, it's join, isn't it? Join, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then they start singing this little song. It might as well be. Yeah, yes. when they, yes. yeah, and then they sing this little song. When there's enough of them, you have to, have a, you have to create a large enough chorus or choir to actually yes. get monsters to wake up. It's just well, not monsters, friends. They're all friends, apart from the mm. yeah. There were there were issues with the game. Um, there were yes. uh, the depiction issues. of some of the the enemies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they looked um, uh, unique and um, also interesting. Fact they come out in Europe before US. Did it? Yeah, hmm. I didn't know that. Um, so it, that that was a nice little a few, few months, real yeah. few months that we came out earlier. Mm. Don't know why. Yeah, no one knew why. But Actually, came out, came out in Europe before it came out in Japan. Even yeah, even though that it was, was a it. Japanese that was, game. That was the thing. It was like 
Japan released Peculiar. in Europe first. But... I've still yet to play the second, but one day I will. Yeah, uh, I, I Again, you, you can download both of these on Vita if you want, and there's HD versions on PS4. Uh, also, the Patapon series, which also comes from Sony Japan, uh, yeah. kind of weird, uh, what should we say, like a rhythm action strategy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Uh, I, I think that fits it pretty well. Uh, I, I liked these games a lot as well. Yeah, you have to uh, press the... I, I can remember this was definitely while I was working at uh, at GameStop because I remember one of the Sony reps coming around and having a, a pre-release copy of Patapon and letting us try it, and I was just completely <laughs> hooked on it mm. uh, just from the beginning. Uh, and then Patapon 2, uh, the weird thing about that one was uh, that it was digital only, uh, at least to start with, I don't know if it ever actually got a physical release. I don't believe that it did, but it was when Sony was uh, starting to try and really test out the waters mm. on the I think digital it did here, maybe thing. it did arrive here on a, yeah. a physical release, mm. yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I, I definitely, Patapon 2 was uh, the one that I remember because there was a, uh, there was a, a bit of a, kerfluffle with uh with <laughs> it coming out digitally only um but i that that is definitely what it did we did sell the boxes i remember but they only had a code in them so yeah. oh, i see so the thing i remember about patapon 2 is that the the people who knew said that very much like with viva pinata trouble in paradise the sequel contained everything from the first game to the point that it rendered the original game redundant I don't recall. No. I, I played. I played a fair amount of those games, um, but I I couldn't tell you what came in. They all, one they all the sort other. of morph into each other. All three yeah. of them, because there was actually a trio of them. But um, yeah, um, basic concept though is you're hitting a face button in rhythm, and when certain sequences had to occur in order to basically run commands to your army, because you had this vast sort of tribe marching across the screen from left to right. And it was all done in like um shadow puppet like imagery. And mm-hmm. um very, very well put together. Beautiful game. Really well animated. Looks easy until you play it. And then it becomes quite challenging because you mm-hmm. you have to time it very, 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 very carefully. Yeah, I can confirm it's, just, it's not easy. Too... It's it's kind of beyond no. me in some ways. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because... Uh, you, you, small yeah, window yeah. of opportunity. There are. Because mm-hmm. you want to trigger a certain power. In order to do that, you need to do a certain sequence of rhythms and play a series of bars of music correctly without yeah. any error before you can even think about getting to that power. And that power is desperately needed if you have any chance of being victorious in the combat that's yeah. facing you. It's... Feels feels it's, great it's when you do it as well because obviously the chanting oh, yeah. increases yes. and you know you you really f- yeah. get the feedback from the game uh, that you're doing it right. But when you're not doing it right, it's kind of depressing, it demoralizing is, yeah. a little. But, yeah. Uh, another game that is currently available on the PS4 in a remastered version. Yes. I think that it's only the first one for that though. I don't believe mm, the sequels yeah. are remastered. You can... Yeah, you're I'm not right. Sure. And I think you can but... download at least two of, or three, possibly all three on the Vita as well. So, yes. again, great stuff, but you don't need to have a PSP to play those specifically, yeah. which is cool. Uh, opening it up to more people. Yeah, Tech and Dark Resurrection was a, a bit of a system seller for me because I loved the series. And again, it was the, oh my goodness, how am I playing this <laughs> on a handheld kind of thing? I didn't, I didn't ever pick up Tekken 6, um, Soul Calibur, Broken Destiny from the same. Uh, people basically give or take uh, Namco 
similar deal, but for the sword fighting franchise, um, yeah, these were uh, Namco and PlayStation kind of always go yeah. hand to ha- hand in hand together for me, and and they tended to be one of the studios that really pushed the the tech in uh, with each generation of of PlayStation. At least, at least in the past, they did. It's not quite the same landscape now, but uh, but these were yeah mighty impressive. 2D fighting wise, uh, it was a yeah, it was a pretty solid system, especially if you had the the little D pad mod. Already mentioned Street Fighter Alpha Three Max, which I mean you could argue is actually the definitive version of that game because it has the most of everything, yep. it has the most features, the most modes, the most characters, the most video game, the most video uh, game. Yeah, but uh, as uh, and it as looks mentioned tremendous. on our um, our recording for Street Fighter Alpha, Alpha series, series. Um, yeah, this was the first Street Fighter Alpha I came to. In fact, it was the first Street Fighter I came to since Street Fighter 2 back on the Super yeah. Nintendo. Um, whichever version of that I played last, I can't quite recall. Um, so yeah, this had been mm. 10 years probably since I was regularly playing any kind of Street Fighter. And I happened to spot in my blockbuster around the corner one day uh, for PSP, which I already had, so it was a no-brainer. Uh, this came out uh, around about six months after the launch of the PSP in Europe, um, yeah. and I absolutely jumped on this. And to this day, when I think of Alpha or Zero series, this is the game I think of. Um, the kind of was it called World Tour, but the the World Tour mode for it was yes, was World great. Tour, yeah. It was fantastic for someone who played largely single player didn't want to switch their PSP into ad hoc mode and uh, was quite happy just kind of playing against AI, which I understand that whatever kind of fighting game gamer that makes me, uh, I I really like that. And I like the fact that I got Mm. to feel like I was going on the world tour that these games had kind of suggested from back in the original arcade mode of Street Fighter 2. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a a mode that's um, notable by its absence from some of the other versions. Uh, that have been released. Uh, there was a Blaze Blue and or uh, an earlier incarnation. Obviously, several story. If I mean, Christ, <laughs> <laughs> following the story of yeah. Blaze Blue, not something that I've even attempted to do. But uh, several incarnations of Blaze Blue ago, there were probably other and better ways to play this. But again, having a game that stunning looking on a handheld was pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> back in the mid two thousands. Uh, talking of sort of PS2 ports, this was something that happened a few times with uh, uh, Guitaru Man and a few others, but The Warriors. So this was Rockstar's interpretation of the late 70s movie, which uh, which inspired so many of the, the brawlers of the, the arcades in the 80s. But this was actually, um, and I haven't played either enough to know all the differences, but this was pretty much like a DX version of the PS2 game, as I understand it. So they tightened up a lot of stuff and, um, you know, improved things and tweaked things based on, I think, the fact that the game had been out about four years or something at this point, maybe more. Um, yeah, and again, it was it was one of the better reviewed games on the system and uh, definitely, pro- yeah, I, don't, I can't think of too many other brawlers that were on the system. Yeah. Actual, you know, n- not one-on-one versus games, but progressive. Speaking of the of thing, uh, so. PS2 ports, it was a bit of... Running jokes maybe a bit of a, a harsh way to put it, but it was kind mm. of that way that um, it was PS2 ports to PSP and the Wii would get the same version. That was kind of a thing that happened notably with 
Manhunt uh, yeah. Two, I think that, and there was some other stuff oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was definitely mm. a, a a bit of a jibe pointed in the Wii's direction, which obviously wasn't the point of the Wii to be a graphical powerhouse, but that it kind of was at home with PS2 yeah. ports, as was the PSP, was was a little bit of yes, a I thing I remember popping up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Couple of Final Fantasy VII games. You've already mentioned them, Leah, but um, just remind me. Are uh, uh, well, is it Advent Children was the movie, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, Advent Children isn't the game. It's the uh, yeah, it's the movie point. that they released. Um, and uh, Crisis Core is a game um, which I really like and have not played in some time because that's yeah. one of the ones that never got a digital release. There so we go. it is. Uh, I have I have a Blu-ray or not Blu-ray. I have a uh, a UMD of it. I just don't have a PSP to play it on. Well, so, Chris has uh, got three, so get <laughs> get shipping. <laughs> true true um but yeah that's i i uh, i really liked um both of those actually um final the advent children i don't recall whether it released on umd before it released like on dvd and blu-ray seems feasible um, but it might have been yeah simultaneous. I, it might have been i it might have been one of those things that they were trying to push it i i know i did own a copy i'm not sure if i still do um but yeah those those were uh those were both pretty good there was also uh i don't think it's on the current list but um just talking of final fantasy games there was um dissidia which was yeah. a kind of bizarre final fantasy fighting game like right. an arena fighter sort yeah. of uh yeah. that I I really liked the first one. There were two on uh, the uh, on the PSP. There was Dissidia, and then there was Dissidia Duodecim, which was uh, the sequel to that. And then they relatively recently put out a PS4 Dissidia that I have not actually played, but um, I think that it got vastly more complicated as they went on. I just kind of liked getting to mash the buttons and watch my Final Fantasy people hit each other with swords. So um, there's nothing wrong you know, with that. I don't think so. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, we also got uh, about, I guess it was best part of a decade after the original PS1 version, we got uh, an, a souped-up PSP-specific version of Final Fantasy Tactics, yep. now yep. subtitled War of the Lions, which is probably the version to play if you want to play Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I have played that game recently, like within the past couple yeah. of months, um, for the first time, actually, and and completed it. So uh, can confirm that it still plays quite well today. Yeah, we 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 may How well come back to that now? at some is point. It downloadable then is it? Yes, you can play it, it on. Is, yes, can play it on Vita. That's yep, good. for sure. Yes, yeah, uh, I played it on Vita on the train. <laughs> yeah, good good thing to do, uh, and other Japanese uh, JR turn based Japanese strategy such as tactics ogre let us cling together also and a number of nipponichi games including disgaea afternoon of darkness disgaea 2 dark hero days and jean d'arc which uh, i know is something of a cult classic in that realm it is also never released in europe and i don't know why but it never really? was shame <laughs> i do have a copy i never played it but i do recall it uh, being released mm. here yes. I, I know yes. some people who are very uh, very I think it was it. was it quite late in the PSP's life? Maybe no, I'm not sure. Anyway, no. no, it wasn't. But I do have okay. a North American version of it because I know it's very, very mm. good, and it is very, very good. It's a tactics RPG. Well, again, Chris, is that useful to our listeners that you've got a copy? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm explaining why it's hard to get over. Because you've got yeah. them all. I've got them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was explaining that it's a very uh, good game, and if you, you seek it out, seek it out. I think it's also downloadable. I don't. I don't know if it's on the uh, the the 
UK store or the uh, mm. European store or not, but uh, I'm pretty sure that it is down. Those Nippon Itchy games still coming out and remakes of the earlier ones still coming out on Switch and PC and all sorts. Yeah. Uh, if you want to spend a thousand hours leveling up your characters <laughs> in all six versions of Disgaea or whatever there are, you can do that. Uh, so, yeah, JRPGs, of course, we had uh, some remakes and some sort of follow up versions and some sequels and stuff. So things like Valkyrie Profile Leneth, which was uh, a remake of Valkyrie Profile, I think. We had an, at least one East game, uh, the Oath in Felgana. There were a few. I think uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> OK, Lunar, the Silver Star Harmony. I don't know if that again, if that's a remake or a sequel or what. My, my knowledge of those series is scant. Um, but I suppose one that is very interesting. It was reviewed very well, and it's still, as far as I know, only available on PSP, is Valkyria Chronicles 2. So it seems weird to me that because people are still talking about Valkyria Chronicles, the original, and it's not that long ago come out on uh, contemporary mm. formats. We did our podcast about it not so long ago. Um, that it's actually, the original is old enough to have a sequel <laughs> on the PSP. Mm. Monster Hunter, uh, we've mentioned it already, but um, the original was on PS2, and then there were four separate releases on PSP, some of which came, or maybe only one of which came to the UK, possibly one or two. Monster Hunter Freedom, Freedom 2, Freedom Unite, and Portable 3rd, which was, again, I think quite late in the mm. PSP's life. Yeah. Those were absolutely system sellers yeah. in Japan, um, but it was they were largely before it had. I, I, it was really with the 3DS games um, that the series started to uh, take root yeah. over here, and then obviously we got Monster Hunter World. But um, but this was where it went from being a, a curious but popular PS2 game to being something that people played via ad hoc and infrastructure <laughs> modes in Japan. There was a version, of course, of Little Big Planet. I've never played this. No, I, um, I don't know. I don't know how much of the the creation stuff it retained. Is anyone up on that? Sorry, no, I never tried it. I, no. I never uh, stuck with any Little Big Planet after the first one, unfortunately. But I have a feeling it was a bit janky, yeah. even compared to the originals. So, um, but you know, Little Big Planet for a while. Sackboy was a big deal. The the name was quite a big deal. Um, but again, I think you would probably be better off with a, a Vita or a PS4 incarnation now. Or not bother. <laughs> um, <laughs> Resistance Retribution was the spin-off of the Resistance trilogy of PS3 first-person shooters. Did they take a different tack genre-wise like they do with this? Was it like isometric uh, or something? Off the top of my head... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. I haven't played this, but off the top of my head, this was third-person, whereas Resistance was a first-person yeah. series. And... Was, Part of yeah. the reason that I'm fairly sure of that is this was yep. Ben Studio, who also did the Siphon Filter games, including Dark Mirror and Logan's Shadow, we've already mentioned. And again, a bit like Ready at Dawn, had a hey. long history of, uh, at, from the PSP onwards, making a lot of portable right. games, portable versions of other series. So did Uncharted, mm. Golden Abyss, and then eventually this year, in fact, got to make their, yeah, exactly, their own sort of uh, yeah. IP and on a full console release. So kind of a similar thing happens. There's no point in the making handheld <laughs> stuff for Sony anymore. Uh, but, but nice to see a couple of studios kind of within Sony cutting their teeth on PlayStation portable versions of other pre-existing Sony series and then 
kind of using that as a jumping off point to to really get onto their own stuff. So, hmm, nice. There, there were a couple of PSP specific versions of cartoon platformers. So from Jack and Daxter, we had the game that was called Daxter. He got the starring role, uh, a well-received 3D really cartoon platformer. Very, very yeah. good There was game. definitely a bundle that I remember yeah. the Dexter having. Bundle. Because, yes, there was definitely a PSP bundle for that in mm-hmm. in the US, at least, because I remember having a lot of copies of Daxter because people <laughs> would play it and then just trade it right back in. Yeah, it's probably a nice one to, to roll through. Yeah, 2006, my goodness. I mean, me. what struck me about this game so much is the visuals and the speed mm. at which it went and the reaction to how Daxter to, would do with the, the the fluidity of movement from Daxter and yeah. the feedback loop to your hands and your he, he would do what you asked him to do nice. and very so ready at dawn yeah that one yeah and uh, a ratchet and clank mini game as well or well, not mini game size matters a a a dinky handheld incarnation of the many 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 ratchet and clank games yeah that there are yeah. now also solid I believe without mm-hmm. having played it mm-hmm. Uh, there were I don't, was was Pixel Junk Monsters the only Pixel Junk that that came over to PSP? I feel like there should have been more because there were lots. There was lots of Pixel Junk on PS3. Yeah. Um, much much of it very cool and interesting. But Monsters was the sort of tower um, defense one, um, a series that continues on to this day. Um, but I don't remember if any of... The, I'm trying to think of the other Pixel Junk uh, games now. But yeah, no, no, I don't think they else, did. Just, just Monsters? Yeah, because okay. there's Pixel Junk Shooters or Shooter, wasn't there? Yeah, there was yeah, Razors and, they, they and made Eden it. and Shooter some, and whatnot. Some of them came to Vita yeah, later but no, on. Yeah, nothing else. Yeah. The portable, just Monsters. No, but there it is. Lumines also and got a sequel. There was also a highly rated version of Tetris that I can remember nothing <laughs> about. Uh, Puzzle Quest was a handheld whiz and this game is um there's a free to play version of it now and i think this studio is still making games of a similar ilk but this was the original kind of uh surprisingly enough as uh as into puzzle quest as i am i never actually played this version i played mm. the ds version same so. same, same me too same. me yeah. too me too yeah. I, th- I think it's basically identical this is higher resolution so. with a slightly different layout because i was gonna say it kind of seems like it's made for the ds in terms of having the two screens one the puzzle board and yeah and touch screen yeah Hmm. for sure yeah i think if you would yeah if you were going for a a sliding tile puzzler probably but having said that i've played this a ton on xbox 360 so and it and it Hmm. and it's fine so and there was also crush which was a uh base uh developed here in brighton i believe by uh it was uh, directed by Steve Curran, who was a former Edge writer and uh, some uh, podcaster from One Life Left. That was his baby. He went on to make Chime. I don't know what's happened since then. Uh, Virtual Tennis, we mentioned. There were two incarnations of mm-hmm. Everybody's Golf or Hot Shots Golf or Minono Golf, depending on where you were. And of course, EA had a bit of a a bit of a time. They, they. I remember um, EA did commit to making stuff for PSP, but then they, they had a, a big I, I thing where they... Don Matrick of all people came out and That's right. uh, mm-hmm. was all about how Sony and EA had been great partners, and Sony understood that, yeah. that you know software makes the system. Which, looking back on that now, knowing how the PSP and then the Vita went, is kind of a trip. Not to mention how mm-hmm. the Xbox One launch went. 
And Matrick yeah. went on mm. to be an Xbox guy, of course. But yes, there was a Tiger Woods, there were some FIFAs, and they were all quite well uh, regarded and well reviewed. Uh, there was a Hot yeah. Shots Tennis, which you can also play on PS4 in up uh, up-resed format, I believe. There were a couple of Pro Evo games from Konami. Um, these are pretty sound, actually. So Winning Eleven Pro Evolution Soccer 2007, I think, was based on PES 2006, which was by considered by many aficionados to be the last great Pro Evo, at least for a long period of time. And this was a very, very, you know, competent, albeit slightly lower res conversion thereof. And again, another one where having that on the go in the pub playing Master League was something quite revelatory. Um, they followed it up once. Sony Studios still making their MLB The Show games. We recently got one as a PS Plus title on PS4, which is mad because it's brand new and it still sells a lot. But uh, they had uh, mid-2000s. Oh. They had three of those on PS. We recently had the announcement that uh, these games are no longer going to be Sony platform exclusives. Oh yeah, well. mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Given uh, given clearly at this point they were pushing them on the portable system. Yeah, as well. for sure, um, no doubt. A bigger deal in the US of A, where baseball is massive, and Japan probably. And yep. Japan, yeah. Uh, some Tony Hawks we've already mentioned. There was I remember seeing a lot of copies of WWE SmackDown versus Raw 2006. I've said many times that wrestling is like the opposite of my thing, so I never know anything about it. But a lot of people really do care about it deeply. So I assume this one was quite a big deal. Tumbleweeds? Yeah, tumbleweeds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've not played I've not played a WWF game as they were then since Super okay. Nintendo days, sadly. But uh, No worries. Uh, Burnout Legends. So this was one of the games where it was an existing franchise on the big boy consoles, yep. But rather than mm. just pour over one of the existing versions, they actually made a, a specific version, which was kind of a sort of best of, obviously. Best of great hits, hits almost. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was limited yeah. in terms of things like frame rate and again, resolution, of course. But yeah. actually it was uh, it was mighty impressive. So for those people who know the Burnout series, as discussed on That There Kin Rinse yeah. podcast uh, a two, couple actually, of years we did now. two on Burnouts. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We covered uh, Burnout one and two on one show, and then we covered um, three. This, that, and, and the other. For, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and Legends and uh, Dominator got uh, mentioned there. Oh yes, um, Dominator. Dominator, a PS two, PSP, PS two yeah, shared yeah. game. Yeah, but but Legends was my first Burnout, yeah. uh, as right. as I said at, at, at the time. That was my first Burnout. So I came to it not seeing that. Oh, this is that track from this game, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved this. Like, I literally bought a PSP Go so that I could still play Burnout Sweet. Legends if it ever, if if the need ever took me. Uh, because I I believe in the US it did get uh made available for Vita, but in in the EU it never did, um and hasn't. And I can't imagine EA going back oh, to no. do that nowadays because not only is the PSP and Burnout Legends not a going concern, but nor is um the Vita anymore. So. But not only, but also uh, a bunch of music that I still listen to to this day and enjoy oh, very yeah. much. I found on Burnout Legends a bunch of kind of pop punk mm. stuff, the likes of uh, Nine Black Alps, uh, The Academy Is, We Are Scientists, um, and uh, uh, really one of my favorite all-time bands, Finch, a post-hardcore band. Just love going back to that game because it feels like every track that comes up is a memory as much as well, every track that comes up, both yeah. in terms of the racing and musical sense, is is a memory. 
Um, yeah, this was hands down my kind of most played PSP game. And yeah, I absolutely adored uh, every single bit of this. I thought it was a fantastic way to play it because it's a racing game. So obviously, you know, there's a certain amount of graphical power needed, but it's also limited in terms Mm. of scope and you don't need the extra analog stick. You know, it's fine the way it is. And in many ways, this was kind of my introduction to arcade racers. I'd played plenty of other stuff previously, but in terms of actually enjoying what was then modern arcade racers uh, i just hadn't been doing any of that at all and burnout legends is to this day one of my hands down favorite racing games. nice well one of my hands yeah. down favorite racing games <laughs> is outrun uh, and particularly the outrun 2 series and this was the again specific handheld incarnation although this also came out on ps2 and xbox and pc actually um this was a very nicely handled port about run 2006 coast to coast and again it's one that's been lost it's not available on digital stores probably to do with car licensing um issues Mm. and sega just not having the desire or the will um this was one where a lot of people would just dreamt of a a simple conversion to vita with just more pixels and more frames per second basically that's all you need it doesn't need anything else doing to it um but this is a game i would say it's probably still worth owning a psp for uh, for handheld driving thrills it's an excellent excellent title i played it a lot on the 360 but uh, yep. and i still have it on my 360 so i know i'm it's like oh no don't delete that um but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it was absolutely. an original xbox game but was it does it play back on backwards compatibility um i haven't tried that i'll have to look into that but uh since i own it on the 360 i might be able to i was going to say it's but it's not a 360 game there's the Outrun Online Arcade on 360, right. but it's missing a lot of features of Outrun 2006, which is yeah. one. It's great, but it's missing. It's missing tons of tracks and features. It's a particularly frustrating one as someone who, when Outrun was kind of mooted for for King Rinse, wanted to kind of go and play it. Given Burnout had kind of reignited a passion for mm-hmm. arcade racers, uh, and yeah, it's frustrating to kind of try and work out where the best place to play it is. Given Pirate it's PC copy, I believe, <laughs> is the... <laughs> Possibly, yeah. uh, is, If you want it in the, the highest resolution at the fastest frame rate. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Ridge Racer 2 is a frustrating one for me because, uh, so this was Ridge Racers, plural, 2 in Japan, um, mm. and they re-released the digital version of the original on PSN, so you can play it on a Vita and it's still great, but the, the 2 there is the important part because much like those earlier games I was talking about, Viva Pinata, Trouble in Paradise and Patapon 2, Ridge Racer 2 is effectively the, the entire first game and more. So it's annoying that they put the, uh, the number one on the download rather than number two. I have no idea why they did that. Yeah. Um, and again, so it's a, it's a PSP or bust title or hooky emulation. Do, hmm. Do you think it's they looked at sales figures and just by virtue of Ridge Racer Quite possibly. having been launch title Quite. probably sold a lot Quite better possibly. than Ridge Racer Two? Yeah, maybe they just went for the most the highest selling. Yeah, maybe. that might also explain why. And this is an an old chestnut, but why um, Microsoft insisted on releasing the original Fable to the um, <laughs> the Xbox Game Store rather than the Lost Chapters, which was the finished version anyway. Um, just uh, a little stick on Ridge Racer. One of my yeah. favourite games on, mm. on the platform, on the PSP. Yeah. I was working across London 
at the time, working on a certain stadium that's now very much finished, <laughs> but the time is being built, and uh, I had a good yeah. one and a half hour journey home every day from that site. Mm. Yeah. And this game made that journey feel like 20 minutes. Was, <laughs> a lot of ridges were raced. They were. <laughs> it got to the point where, and, you know, you know, Kane and Rince, but I def- did this game for me, I did indeed Kane and Rince. It got to the point where I suddenly realised that this isn't a driving game, is it? Because it's more like a puzzle game um, because there were points where my car couldn't go quite fast enough, so I had to actually swerve in front of cars that would be almost taking me over. They would bump into the rear of me, then I'd get a boost. It got that mm. bad. It, it was because it's... Uh, yeah, it's one yeah. of the things you can do in Ridge Racer because not the racing games there. There's something else. But anyway, sorry, Leo, I interrupted you. Well, I'd say it's a racing game, but it's not. A, it's certainly not a car simulation. No, it's not. The most, that, that's it's an the aspect, most I guess, to, to a lot of arcade yeah, racers, isn't yeah. it? There's always another element to it that isn't just driving yeah. well, you know, whether it's combat. Yeah, I remember unpicking the, um, whatever, the, yeah. the the angel and devil cars in the original PS1 game, and yeah, it was more about, mm. it was it was about learning as much as it was about skill, like, I think that's, that's yeah. the sense yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of content in uh, in the PSP incarnations. And yeah, you mentioned the, the Codemasters stable was obviously producing lots of, uh, lots of cool racing titles on uh, at this time. We had... Uh, Race driver was then, wasn't it? It was basically a sort of amalgam of Toka and World Touring cars yes, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Sort of yeah. together temporarily. Mm, Test Drive Unlimited. I remember being popular among some of my friends on the 360, uh, and it was an open world racer. We talked a little in our recent end of year roundup, James, Leah, and I, about the recent uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. Mm. This game had a version. The original had a version on PSP. I did not play this particular version. Did not play this, but but it makes and, sense, doesn't it? Yeah, again, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's sort of um, isometric perspective, I guess. As long as you don't need it to direct your attacks, you could do without the second oh, analog stick. Mm. Um, yeah, it makes sense to have it on here, and I guess it being a kind of co-op game as well. I I hope it had that ability in ad hoc. That would seem like a sensible way to be able to mm. play that. And am I right in thinking mm. X-Men Legends 2 is in the same genre park? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, Space Invaders Extreme, we talked about on that Space Invaders podcast that we did for its 40th anniversary, but it was a DS and PSP game. We mentioned earlier Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep. So was this the one and only Kingdom Hearts on PSP? It was, uh, and it's. I, I really like this game. Uh, it is now available in other ways. Uh, notably, I think Leon, you said that you got it in the uh, the story so far uh, yeah. collection. Uh, so you can get it on the uh, the collections. Um, but yeah, I I actually like this game a lot. I, it was a pretty fully fleshed out storyline that uh, that has a lot to uh, to offer. It's not quite the same play style as some of the other Kingdom Hearts games, uh, but I ended up spending a lot of time with it, so would would recommend. Mm-hmm. There were some PC ports, and or yeah, at least ports from other systems. I think Sid Meier's Pirates was a kind of updated version, which has also found its way elsewhere. Chris, you uh, know more about that? You, I imagine you're a Sid Meier's Pirates guy. Yeah, but I only played on the PC, so I don't remember this port and its quality. Nice to have it in your pocket, though. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, I don't yep. think I got it though, because I said I was sure. obsessed with the beige boxes back then. 
naturally there was at least one pinball game uh, in the in the the form of fantasies yeah an updated version of the old digital illusions series uh, possibly so i think i'm pretty sure there were some other pinball games on psp as well um from the usual suspects zen studios and all those guys i'm guessing uh, there were some worms games and of course open warfare brought the online as well always fun we had a worms podcast of course listener check that one out we talked about the whole series Guitaru Man Lives, it was the PSP update of a PS2 cult classic and uh, a, yeah, a beloved music game. Um, and there's still no sort of HD version of that as far as I can, beyond this PSP version. I don't think there's a PS, mm-hmm. PS4 version. Parappa did come to PSP and then that version got ported to PS4 as well. You can play that in a number of places now. Castlevania the Dracula X Chronicles was a, an update of Rondo of Blood along with an unlockable version of Symphony of the Night. But again, that's also come to current gen formats. Occasionally I forget that Symphony of the I Night know. is unlockable. It's so weird. You have, <laughs> how, you, you, how is one and of that was a big arguably... selling point. Yeah, oh, that it yeah. was like, you can play this. And then you got the game and it was like, well, wait a minute. You had, I don't remember what you had to do. Just, Maybe you just, just had sell to, me, to finish yeah. the, the Just sell me Symphony of the yeah. Night. That, yeah, that was pretty big at the time because it was not something that was really available in other... Like now you can play Symphony yeah. of the Night wherever. Yeah. You know, you can... Yeah. Yeah. It, but... But then it was it, it was not and that that's not even a good version of Symphony of the Night. The version of Symphony of the Night on that uh, on that UMD <laughs> is not the best. Um, but it was a novelty. And the fact at the time you had because... to slog your way through to to earn yep. the right to play yep. another one. And it's... it was <laughs> Rondo of it was a version of Rondo of Blood that you that's had right. to. Uh, it's complete. not exactly a hardship though. To be no, clear. no, no. I like Rondo of Blood, but it's also you know not a super easy game. Like no, it's you not. Just given me uh, Symphony of the Night from the beginning. Yeah. They're notoriously yeah, yeah. difficult those games. But, uh... Yeah. Mega Man Powered Up was uh, a sort of um, it was a I mean it was a uh, KG Inafune um, produced project, a uh, an update of previous Mega Man games. I'm not a Mega Man guy. I wish Mikiel was here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but again, it was, uh, as far as series fans were concerned, it was a thing that you wanted to get on PSP, as I understand it. Uh, there were, as well as the ability to play old games via illicit methods, there were also a good number of compilations of older things, including the Sega Genesis collection, yeah. which was uh, had slightly different content to its PS2 counterpart version. There was an EA replay compilation which looked great on the surface, but I gather, uh, and I I skipped it because reports of the emulation were sketchy. Yeah, at best. I mean, it's nice to have a Wing Commander and a handheld, but didn't really work out in the end. No, okay, yeah, and some Mega Drive games as well. There were three really quite, really rather lovely Capcom compilations covering a lot of their kind of uh, vintage content, classics, remix, classics, reloaded and uh, Puzzle World, which is a, which has a collection within its collection, which uh, because it has the Pang trilogy as one of the three on there, along with Puzzle Fighter. So um, but again, you can play that on um, Vita. Namco Museum powered up was an early release, as I recall, with the usual Namco suspects, some Gallagher and Pac-Man, but plus some exclusive arranged versions. There were some Midway Arcade treasures as well, of course. Uh, and yeah, a Metal Slug and 
anthology. Yeah, so if you want a clutch of Metal Slug games, indeed, there it is, delivered. Yes, on a UMD. But yes, and it <laughs> lots of other ways of playing that too. There are. Uh, yeah, the, I remember are. the loading times being a bit of a. That was the only negative, but of the actual delivery of the game itself is very, very polished. I wonder if um, any of you know, are a lot of these collections not available digitally? It wouldn't surprise me if they weren't. It seems like the sort of thing that could be UMD. Puzzle World I is. Think, um, yeah, I think that many of them are, but I think that okay. many of them are not yeah. able to be played on the Vita. They are still sure, only okay. PSP yeah, yeah, but they were available downloadable. Yeah. yeah. The only one I can absolutely yeah. vouch for is that Puzzle World is playable on a Vita. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just seems like the sort yeah. of thing that'd be likely to run into a licensing issue somewhere along the line. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and a few others that, um, you know, basically I took a big old smattering of games that were important or well-regarded and well-reviewed, but we got a few uh, from you guys that you wanted to <laughs> chime yeah. in at the end. I mean, this is what I was going to, I was going to sh- throw it to the panel anyway, for other, other, floor, other yeah, memories, yeah. but uh, James, you've put a digital graphic novel. <laughs> um, I don't remember if I remembered when we were talking Metal Gear Solid that this was my first encounter of the Metal Gear Solid story. Okay. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, So the Metal Gear Solid had had a comic book series, a graphic novel series, the year before, I want to say 2004, um, that had been released as as comic books. And my understanding is with digital graphic novel, what they did was, on a UMD, I bought a UMD of it, I'd heard a lot about Metal Gear Solid, but um, I'd never played it, I hadn't had a PlayStation, Um, I at this point didn't have a PlayStation to to be able to carry on with any more recent Metal Gear games, but I wanted to see what the fuss was about, and I figured, well, let's just try this and see. I've heard a lot about this game's story. Why not see what that's all about? So, yeah, my first playthrough of a Metal Gear Solid story was a digital graphic novel, and they do a thing where it it, it plays through, you're going panel to panel through the comic book, and just reading it, essentially. It has a sound associated with it. I think it has some kind of minimal voice acted stuff yeah. as well um but what it also has is uh essentially a pixel hunt around the screen but it's not indicated you just have to press areas of the screen and occasionally something will kind of pop up noting that you've unlocked and there's a, a percentage unlock and then uh from again from memory it unlocks like artwork and stuff about the the game uh, or games at this point um but yeah, and you would get kind of a percentage unlocked when you got to the end of it. So you would have your percentage that you'd read of the story, but then the percentage of the hidden secrets you'd found. Uh, so barely a game, but I think notable because otherwise on this system, Portable Ops and Peace Walker were Metal Gear games, and even the Acid games were very much games. Sure. Uh, but they were not the only the, the whole story as far as Metal Gear on PlayStation Portable is concerned. Uh, yeah, a really weird thing. Uh, a really weird thing for me to decide to do, but well interjected. Um, no, good, good knowledge. Yeah, I just thought it was worth noting because it's a, a weird inclusion. Chris has gone with uh, the the uh, the curio. Uh, was greeted with a rather mixed reception, uh, oh, known yes. as Baito Hell Two Thousand in yes. Japan, but WTF or work time fun over here. What what uh, what about this odd little title spurred you to uh, want to mention it? Because it's in this bonkers. Show. It's a okay. series of Good reason. series of mini games. Well, no, yeah. series of mini interactions, right? That are bad. 
you know, one of them uh-huh. is memorable is um, you have a series of um, ballpoint pens, no branding, and then you had to put the cap on them. That's it. You just hit the button yeah. and then the cap, and it'll be a little... Just WarioWare-esque? Yeah, but more more dark. More broken? More broken. <laughs> and there's like a little ticker on the top right-hand corner telling you how many of these pens you've placed a cap on. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have an end. Just keeps on no. going. And, okay. Then there's Work other things. Fun. It's just it's just weird mini experience. They're not games. I'm not saying it's not not. But it's no, it's a thing no. that it happened. A, an actual job simulator before there was yeah, job simulator. These, it was awful. <laughs> Very strange. Sony made this for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it says a lot, doesn't it? But it never released in Europe. Only released in North America and Japan. Yeah. True. And um yeah. I never played it. I just saw it on videos and I have not sought it out yeah. for obvious reasons, but I don't know. Interestingly, GameSpot, GameZone and Game Informer all quite liked it. Uh, a lot of other magazines and internet sites really didn't. No, like, <laughs> this, is, this is a bad idea. Yeah, your mileage may vary. Well, no. <laughs> and yes, like... Leah's right in pointing out, uh, we talked about these in full shows, but it's absolutely true. We, we, James was talking earlier about games getting ported to the Wii from the PSP, this one mm-hmm. came the other way around. This was a Wii game originally, Shattered Memory, Silent Hill, that ended up on the PSP, which was, of mm. course, after the PSP got its very own incarnation or in, in instalment of the Silent Hill series in yeah. Oranges. So, so there's, uh, yeah, Silent Hill uh, Oranges um, and, uh, Shatter- <laughs> and Silent Hill Shattered Memories both came out on the PSP. Uh, Origins also got a PS2 port. Actually, I think they both got PS2 ports after the fact. Um, but I I played the I played the PSP version of Origins, and I played the Wii version of Shattered Memories, which I think is probably the right way to do it if you have that availability. Uh, Shattered Memories is a really good Wii game and I did not play... I, I, I imagine that it's probably just fine as a uh, as a PSP port, um, but I, I can't speak to that firsthand. So, uh, but yeah, I just... This is just another example of a series that I like having gotten um, full-on adaptations or uh, entries in the series uh, on the PSP. Just part of why I like the system. And before we come on to the fun that is the Notorious Turkeys, I just wanted to give mm-hmm. a shout out to the initiative yeah. that was the PlayStation Mini. And I really didn't, I don't think I bought any of these, but early, in the, early in the days of PlayStation Plus, they were giving them out willy-nilly. So I ended up with yeah. A, yeah. a selection of games that it was a combination of indie titles that were relatively, you know, by st- small studios and relatively, yeah. you know, low budget, not you know denigrating the effort that went into making them but they they tended to be smaller simpler titles but also you got weird things like you got a modern update of of vintage 8-bit computer game trailblazer or you got (laughs) a conversion of speedball 2 or you got arcade games from snk like ikari warriors and guerrilla war but so that was weird um but you also got things you got titles like a space shooter for two bucks and the 2D adventures of rotating octopus character. And you also got Velocity, which did so well that it yeah. spawned an HD remake and a sequel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's uh, some other little curious treats like Where Is My Heart, which is a game where you yeah. go off one 
panel of the screen and come out elsewhere <laughs> for want of yeah, a better description. It's a good game, though. I did yeah, no, the, the minis were... Yeah, the minis were a, a big deal. Kind of, uh, I think, for the most part, late in the life cycle. So yeah. I actually ended up playing most of them on Vita. Yes. Velocity and Whereas My Heart were two Makes games Makes a lot I of sense, most of them. Very early yeah. when uh, when the Vita had come out as kind of extras yeah. to, to play on there. Yeah. Um, in both cases, because I'd heard recommendations, um, they were also playable on PS3 um, and kind Indeed. of went hand in hand with the PlayStation 1 classics. They were kind of smaller games that were often chucked in with the PlayStation Plus mm. bigger full console games. Uh, full console's really a uh, poor way Home to put that. Console. These are all great games, but they are, yeah. as as you said, Leon, they're smaller games. In in the Minis case, they're often almost a bit more indie games than, than not, yeah. generally. Or retro ports, um, as I say, retro conversions yeah, and ports. Yeah. Impossible Mission, yeah. that was another one. So it almost had a a late day Xbox Live Arcade feel to it, and Mm. um, for me, Velocity and Where's My Heart are absolutely games I think of when I think of indie games uh, around that period, every bit as much as your braids or whatever else. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they're fantastic. And the fact that you could also play them on um, Vita, and you can also, I think, play them on PS3. But now, yes. in the case of Velocity, uh, obviously um, it, it had its remake and then its sequel. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think I would say to anyone to go back and play Velocity, certainly not on PSP, no. but knowing that that's where this series came from, um, I, I certainly wouldn't have any hesitation inviting someone to play Velocity 2X on PS4. Yeah. Uh, and, and it came from here. Yeah, mm. very cool. Excellent. And so before we give our summaries on the console itself, uh, just a few these I couldn't actually like normally when I put these shows together, I've got things <laughs> in my mind. It's like, oh, there was that game that everyone, you know, laughed about. But here I couldn't do it. So all I did was I just looked at the worst reviewed games on the system and I'm yeah. not that familiar with many of them. So just above the worst of the worst, we've got uh, Dave Mirror's BMX challenge, not triple X, not BMX triple X. It's not the porny one. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess none of us will have played any of these unless we got suckered in by the golden compass, the, uh, the film tie-in game. Thank. I bet some people did. I expect I they bet. did. I, yeah. I guarantee you they did. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully we've walk out of the cinema and go and pick that up. Yeah, absolutely. There's no His Dark Materials, um, follow up. Tie-in games. Tie-in games. Tie-in games. I suspect they would do better by that nowadays. I hope so, but... yeah. Uh, Winx Club. Join the club. I have no idea what that is. Um, presumably, again, not pornographic, but who knows? Um, the one I really that stood out to me because it was actually by a distance the worst reviewed game on the PSP is a game called Dragon Ball. Nothing to do with the amazing uh, Arc System Works Dragon Ball Fighters. This is Dragon Ball Evolution. Is this based on a movie adaptation or something? Like yes, that? it is, and I own a Blu-ray copy of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't want to talk. She about. said proudly. I was going to say, you don't want to talk about it. You sounded yeah, quite proud yeah. of yeah. I just, uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> edit, edit, Jay, edit point. So it has a uh, a 28 meta score. Ooh. and a, I have not played the game, to be fair. A user score of 1.2. Wow. Overwhelming that, dislike I mean, based on 58. That rating. has to be barely playable, right? <laughs> it, to get I that mean, low a score, that has to... Wow. There's a one joke review at the top. 10 out of 10. 
This game was great. It alone has accomplished phenomenal feats. It stopped the Holocaust and killed Hitler. It killed Stalin. <laughs> it prevented World War III. It almost stopped 9-11. It tore down the Berlin Wall. It put a man on the moon. It approved the Louisiana Purchase. It built the Great Pyramids. It killed Osama bin Laden. It has preformed far more tasks than that make graduating from Harvard look like getting accepted into preschool. This game takes games like The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, The Last of Us, the original Mario Brothers, Skyrim, basically the entire Nintendo franchise, and takes a nice hot steamy dump all over them. 10 out of 10. Just enough water. Would Dragon Ball Evolution again buy this game? Um, <laughs> speaking of such hyperbole, but kind of in the opposite direction, uh, I put on here not necessarily a notorious turkey, although personally I would say it mm -hmm. is. Um, Manhunt 2, right. I mentioned earlier, came to PS2, Wii, and PSP. Yeah. Uh, that It was on Vita as the PSP version that I actually played that game when we, when we covered Manhunt. Um, not I don't think uh, a, a game I could recommend by any stretch of the imagination, um, but <laughs> one that is notable here, I think, just because it made such a stir as to be delayed by a year in the UK specifically. Uh, yeah, there was all sorts going on with the release of that. Is there is this actually in that this is a an abysmal conversion, or are you is this a comment on the game that is Manhunt? Well, the the, the game the the PSP version was what you would expect that to be it lacks an analog stick so you you know you're kind of right. hampered a little bit in that way as you would be in a third person action stealth game uh it's the game that's okay. that's awful not necessarily anything to do well, with the system at okay. all really check out our manhunt and manhunt 2 podcast yeah. for further details i thought i was thinking maybe is this another one where we decided to do a multi-format game and james deliberately in his self-loathing way, set out to play the most, the most, the worst the version, worst version <laughs> of the game. It just happened to be the one that was handiest because at the time my Vita was still sat out, whereas my Wii and PS2 uh, weren't. So, uh, and and the the win the PC version not easy to to get hold of. I don't think it's on Steam off the top of my head. Mm. I might be wrong on that. It might have been added since. But and you loathed yeah, it. Yeah, just happened to be the one that was easiest for me to play. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I. I the game is the problem here, not the, okay. the system by any stretch. Good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> right. So the PSP then, it's a whistle stop tour, but it's about three hours worth. So um, yeah, 1,300 plus games. And we've just touched upon some of them and mm. the life and sad passing of the machine. But what are your overall feelings about the PSP, James? I uh, absolutely loved the PSP. A bit like the Game Boy, I can't claim to have a remotely comprehensive or even large uh, experience with the games that were on it, but the ones that I wrote a list of maybe 20 and then asterisks, like five or six of them, that were my kind of standouts, and those games are absolutely intrinsic to me as a, a player of video games, uh, the likes of Burnout Legends, um, the likes of Street Fighter Alpha 3 Max. Um, in in many ways, the Switch has kind of reminded me, and the Vita as well before it, that gaming for me is as much a handheld pastime as uh, sitting in front of a console or PC mm -hmm. pastime. Uh, but absolutely, I, like Game Boy was where I first kind of discovered gaming. I'd played games before that. We'd had a Commodore 64 and all, all sorts of other, and Spectrum, that kind of stuff. Um, I had my Game Boy and then got a Super Nintendo, so as mentioned previously on the Game Boy show, that was my first Nintendo console was the Game Boy, and this was my first Sony console at this stage. 
Um, I got a PS3 later and, and a PS2 secondhand slightly after this. Um, but th- this is, yeah, this was absolutely instrumental in me playing games around 2005, 2006 before getting into the, the kind of next-gen consoles. Um, and I have nothing but fond memories. Like, Burnout Legends is an all-timer for me. It's probably, like, top 20 games of all time, right. which for what is, to many people, this weird portable, uh, co- so probably somewhat compromised version of Burnout, It, yeah, it's, it's an absolute uh, standout for me on this system, and the system... I now still own in the PSP Go purely to play this game. <laughs> I've had Literally for five years. A, a system seller. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I can but I still send know it back, that it's you know, there. James. It's, uh, <laughs> I still know that it's there, and I haven't had Burnout Legends pangs recently. Okay. But well, let me know. Needless if you to do. say, when I do get it back from you, whenever uh, that is, whenever we next are face to face or whatever, uh, it will be the first thing that I, I uh, boot up no, I just terrible. to see it in its glory. Oh, yeah. I feel like I should stick it in the post. Uh, but, no, but we've got our Gradius shows coming up, so uh, yeah, you're going. So need I might, that, I might, yeah. I might use it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bless you, uh, Leah. How about you and the PSP? Yeah. To, to echo a bit of uh, what James was saying, I I don't know that I I played really a lot of PSP games numerically, uh, but the ones that I did play and the ones that have stuck with me have stuck with me in a pretty big way. Um, yeah. the, as I mentioned, the, uh, the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts entries on the platform are among some of my favorites. Um, I, I really enjoy a lot of what they did, and it's, it's great that I have other places to play some of that now, um, with both the Vita TV and just the Vita itself. Um, I'm probably going to buy a PSP so that I can play the discs that I have that are not available digitally. Um, so that's probably going to happen pretty soon, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's a good system that maybe had some kind of weird ideas, that didn't necessarily pan out all the way eventually, but it 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 has left a mark, I think, uh, be it through the actual hardware that came after it in the Vita or just the fact that a lot of the games have been remastered and brought back, uh, like, you know, the Patapon and the Locoroco and, and just the entries in some popular series that uh, are still kind of you know, sought after, and and even if they haven't been remastered, people do still talk about them. I I think it's... I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that anybody go out and get one if they didn't have one before, but there are definitely games that I would recommend that you look for in some capacity if you never had a PSP and never really got into any of those games. So, um, yeah, I would say... You know, check out some lists. If anything that we've talked about seems appealing and you have access to a Vita and or a PS4, check some of them out. I like this a lot. Thank you, Leah. I'm in the same boat in the sense that there aren't so many titles that were on the PSP that are exclusively and forever locked to the PSP, but there are there are a little handful that make me regret not owning one of those uh, dishy little systems anymore. I don't think, although I stand by what I said, that I think the the original PSP model still looks pretty decent. I've got my Vita here in front of me, and and it's that much kind of sleeker still. Um, 
but I wouldn't necessarily feel the need to, you know, go and buy a ton of PSPs just out of the sense of hardware fetishism. But what could persuade me would be to have access to those, yeah, that that small band of vital titles that were PSP and PSP only and have never been or are never likely to be upscaled and updated and, up, you know, brought forward to, to more modern systems. That That's always what owning legacy systems is about for me. That's why I keep the systems that I do is because I always end up with a little rarefied selection of absolute epic shelf titles that I can't play anywhere else. And perhaps I did jump the gun. I probably needed the money at the time. I probably had to trade in my PSP towards something that um, something else that felt more vital at the time. But right now, I do want to play Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins. <laughs> and um, short of mm-hmm. emulation... That's the only way uh, of doing it, or certainly it is the only way of doing it properly and legitimately. So yeah, it was. Um, I I guess my overriding feeling with the PSP is that I it feels weird that Sony had two in two major incarnations of a handheld console. I'm not talking about the the sub, you know, the one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, all and all that, uh, but they had the PSP and they had the Vita. And that's it. And like they never, it, they never really, it, despite some success, it never really felt like they really, really meant it. And I bet you when I first saw that PSP on the cover of Edge, I thought, well, that's that then. You know, this is for good. This is, I'm not, I'm not saying, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking, well, that's the end of Nintendo as a handheld because they serve a different purpose in a different market. But I thought that would be it. Sony would be a handheld games maker developer forevermore from now on. And in fact, the Vita limped along for the last several years of its life and just petered out in the end, despite being a very worthwhile machine that no doubt we'll cover on one of these shows at some point in the future. So, yeah, it's a peculiar one. Um, I'd want to say it was an important step, but I don't know that it was because... I think what happened mainly was, apart from all the firmware hacks and exploits and 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 all that, was the I, iPhone came along. I think that was the key thing that really did for this kind of this model of handheld gaming. Despite you know what we know as kind of serious gamers that we want the proper controllers and we want you know the dedicated devices. In terms of marketing a handheld machine to that adult market with disposable income ios and android have kind of smashed that so that's where we're at now but yeah psp was cool (laughs) uh chris you've still got three so it's only right that we finish with you what was it for i forget (laughs) um no it's three it is three he's given them away well they're two and a half really if you think they go yeah okay the one thing i want to sort of address i mean i can mirror what the rest of you said and i agree but um what really threw me about the PSP more than any other handheld I'd played up until that point, and uh, nothing against GBA, and indeed I liked Minish Cap on you know, Zelda on on the GBA was one of the fantastic game, but it's the PSP that had me almost forget that I was actually holding this handheld and playing the game. Mm. I really felt drawn into the screen and the experiences that it delivered. It sounds really cliched and something that. Some sort of marketing fool from Sony would say, <laughs> but it was true at the time. It was really quite groundbreaking what they were doing. It's probably why it failed, but um, <laughs> um, that's my memories and why I still own working PSPs because I still like playing 
PSP games. Mm. And um, that's why uh, I, I stand by the platform. It is, yes, we not just said it failed, but did it really? Um, it got replaced by something that eventually failed. But it lasted yeah. 10 years, and that's a good tenure for any platform. Yep, and 80 million units or whatever. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, not uh, too bad. Despite its uh, shortcomings, um, the positives outweighed those, I think. So, yeah, thumbs up, PSP. Thanks for doing the thing that you did and do. Lovely. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, that's been another Kane and Rince format special. It remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris, James and Leah, as well as our editor, Jay, and our correspondent, Singular. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Retro Clarence. No thanks to anyone else. Uh, no, we love you all. Thank you for listening is the most important thing. But also, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do consider our Patreon, patreon.com slash It's now $2 a month to unlock everything, but that's still only about pound fifty a month less than a cup of coffee for all that entertainment. You can still support at $1, but it doesn't get you anything other than a warm glow in your belly. Um, and in fact, if you subscribe now for $2, you can get our next one of these right away. It's all about the Super Famicom, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I mean, that's got to be worth $2 to get it right now. Now. I said now. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> And we'll see you soon for more Kane and Rince.